Also, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, whenever you listen to this. This is Match Bailey alongside my critic partner in crime, Ricardo Medina. Hello, hello, hello. And this is another episode of BS Beats and Bailey. And uh, we have not a lot to talk about per se, you know, but, you know, we we, we saw a few shows today. Um, well, I should say that today, but last week, the time is recorded here. I should say before we met up here online. But I would say pretty much if there's a, a running team for this episode here is more like true to life stuff, you know, stuff that's that that is that is in reality, you know what I mean? So right. there wouldn't be that much fiction stuff. <laughs> into this episode here so basically we're going to talk about documentaries and shows based off of true events and just all kind of yeah. true stuff because i mean i know we're we trying to trying to avoid thinking about the reality of this covid19 pandemic but you know sometimes you know sometimes the real will have a lot of fascinating stuff to 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 to, to dive into you know what i mean case in point what we talked about a few weeks ago uh tiger king right um, and yeah. on the subject of that, now I found a documentary that I would say mightn't rope people in as quickly as Tiger King did, but it certainly will intrigue you if you're into this kind of stuff. That would be American law and, you know, true crime and all that kind of stuff. So I will talk about the first season of Netflix's The Innocence Files. Um, also... Yeah. You talk about HBO Films, Bad Education, which is based off of right. a true story. I've been hearing great things about it. Me, um, great things mainly with um, the two leads. That would be Hugh Jackman and Alison Janney. Yeah. Both Oscar winners, by the way. Um, Hugh Jackman won. No, did he win? No, no. The Oscar nominee, I believe. He's an Oscar nominee, but Alison was an Oscar winner. Right. I don't remember that. Right. right. Also, um, Apple TV released the Beastie Boys story. This, of course, is, yeah. well, the, the, the story of Arguably one of the most influential hip hop groups of all time, the BC Boys, right? Yep. So I checked that out. I will um I will talk about that as well. And prior to all of this now, uh, we will talk about two reunions that 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 took place amongst the cast members of two highly popular and much beloved, you know, comedies or sitcoms, I should say. That would be Parks and Recreation and The Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Right. Right. So before all that now, you know, once again, kind of reality just hitting us. Uh, last week was, was not a good week as far as, you know, as, as, as far as like actors, actors and just people who, yeah. who contribute a lot to, act, to acting, not just in the United States, but also in, well, Sweet TNT, right? So, yeah. uh, well, just to start off with Sweet TNT, um, yeah, boy, uh, Tony Hall, legendary playwright. Yeah. You know, passed away on um, April the twenty seventh. That will be Monday, April the twenty seventh. Um, yeah. And the thing is, like, I, I once again similar to when Raymond Chukong died last year, um, and thankfully Tony Hall didn't die in you know a gruesome, violent way. But you know, he suffered from a heart attack. Um, but the scary part about it now is that um, his age, though, because I believe he was either I think he was seventy one years old, and he was going to turned 72 in july or june i think it's in july if i'm not mistaken but yeah right. that that, that kind of freaked me out a bit because uh my, my dad actually is our is in his early 70s right now you know what i mean right. but um still i know people you know in the theater arts world in the film world in trinidad who either knew him personally or met him you know what i mean 
And right. you know, it's one of those situations once again where I just wish that maybe if I was in the right with the right crowd or I went to a particular function or whatever, I would have actually met him, shook his hand, you know, talked to yeah. him, you know, I mean, pick his brain a bit. But yeah, he's just one of many. And I, actually, like, just just little note to myself, I, I really want to rectify that soon enough. I really want to kind of meet the greats now before knock on wood, they pass away, you know, what I mean, but yeah, um. Tony Hall is just such an iconic name as far as, um, you know, as far as theater ads go, as far as plays go, you yeah. know what I mean? And once again, it's just one of those situations where I wish I met him. Um, I know people who, who have met him and, you know, they've expressed their their feelings, their sadness towards his death and whatnot. Um, I'm not sure if there was any memorial, sorry, or any funeral, or if they're going to be any funeral, I mean, given what's going on here right now. But I but I am aware that they were, but I, I am aware, sorry, that they were like a couple of, you know, um, Zoom related memorials that, that took place in honor of him. You know what I mean? Um, I didn't see them, but I just saw little ads for them basically or little event pages, if you want to call it that, on, on Facebook, right? And I saw faces that I know, um, you know, just then just pouring their, their heart or just expressing how much they, they, they love this guy. So, um, not much more I could say, though. Just, Wish that I got to, to meet him in real life though, but still right. his 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 legacy will, will live on that. Um anything you wanna weigh in on yeah, his um, so past? Um, yeah, I I uh have met him a couple of times. Um All right. I did work with him on one film. I was on set, he was on set as well, and it's like, oh okay, cool. And yeah, I, I didn't know him personally or anything like that, but you know, just a little handful of compositions and whatever it is. Yeah, the man was again iconic at the top of his game type of person yeah um yeah um i think he taught a couple classes acting classes when uh i was doing film yeah uh, um he, he did and uh, just correct. just just uh, to cut for a bit sorry about that but um i actually found out today because there was a, a big you know article in the papers about you know what it is he did in his career um, he actually taught at the same college that I went to back in 2011, you know, as the foreign exchange stuff. That would be Trinity right. College over at Hartford, Connecticut. I did not know right. that he was a lecturer there. I was like, wow, you know. But yeah, right. I continue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I um, yeah, I just I, I knew him. That's the closest I knew from him. Just met him a couple of times, you know, normal thing, you know, high and shake hand thing. But I never really knew him personally or anything. I wasn't that close. At all, but yeah, it's, there's a big one that's going on as well. So, uh, you know, much like with Raymond Chukong. So, yeah, that's what you'll be missed. Um, yeah. it's not nothing much for me to say again. Yeah, well, well, same here too. Unfortunately, though, but um, I, I, I will make an effort though to you know at least learn more about his 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 um his art, his work, and all that kind of stuff. And I yeah. hope that you know his 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 passing won't be something that will just kind of be ignored or i should say just forgotten i would say right but i just hope that there is some sort of i don't know something that that will be there that people remember oh you know being because of him yeah i've heard some scuttlebuck about this because like um part of the well i in the writers union right now right right, and they have oh uh, well well how how have you guys um you know how how do you guys take that that um that right so one of the guys who's an actor and he's part of Drama club. He was talking about how they had to set up a big thing for him and whatever. whatever. Um, I again, I not, I not familiar or part of that anyway. So again, not, not 
close to him, but I don't hear that's here scuttle about about how important he is and was and how you know he affects people and how they have to shut down this, that, and the other to do this, that, and the other because of him and whatnot. So that is about it. Right. Okay. So um well two two days after that, Wednesday, April 29th, woke up in the morning, got this news, you know what I mean, Ufan Khan um, yes. you know, passed away as well, you know what I mean, at, at age fifty-three. And yeah, the wow. thing is with, with me though is that um, I wouldn't say that he, he was one of those persons that, like for me, like with the the recent films that he starred in, like say uh, Jurassic World or Life of Pi, you know, I mean, he was always that guy. Like I knew his face, right? I knew him from somewhere, right? Yeah. But that's not to say that you know he wasn't a great actor, or somebody that I admire. And you know, I forgot that he was in Slum, No Millionaire, you know, I mean, which was one of my favorite shows right. back when that movie came out. I believe it was two thousand eight or nine. If I'm wrong, let me know. But yeah, I mean, um, but really for me, it was just how he was able to transition from, you know, Bollywood or at least from Indian cinema to Hollywood as well. You know what I mean? Um, I thought that he was fantastic in Life of Pi. That was one of my favorite movies of the 2010s. Uh, Jurassic World, one of my favorites. But I mean, it was, it was, uh, you know, a nice slice of popcorn entertainment. You know what I mean? But just to, to get back to him, though, you know what I mean? Just just the opportunities that he had, you know what I mean? Just being in those shows, um just showing his acting range as well, you know what I mean? And it's kind of cool that somebody could, you know, make that transition and not just be typecast as, oh, well, you're Indian, so you need to be here, you know what I mean? Um, so even though I haven't seen films like Salam Bombay, which was like his, um, the, the first film that he ever um, appeared in, by the way, um, I w- I'm just glad that I was able to see him in, in other films and, you know, he just killed it in all those performances that I saw him in. Uh, but right. once again, just be, um, because I'm not all too familiar with his um, filmography, I can't really say any more beyond that. But um, I know it's a shame that I keep seeing this though. But you know, I, now now I have now I feel the need now to to go back and you know actually check out his earlier work. I'm like, okay, that's that's why it was such a big deal. Um, same thing actually, like with um, just a little segue here uh, with this rapper uh, Freddie Godson from um, the Bronx. Right. Uh, myself. Uh, Mike Wise and Doughboy brought him up when we talked about when we did the little breakdown thing for the Risen DJ Premier Battle. And, you know, at the night that we actually recorded that, that was when we got the news like about three hours ago that he passed away. Now. And I was like, okay, I only yeah. familiar with just one album that he did. It was a collaboration with Jewel Otis. But now, currently, at the moment, I'm just like listening to his older albums, like from 2010, go up now, you know what I mean? So yeah, it's, it's a shame that events like this kind of make you stop and be like, all right, cool. Let me actually take the time and check and see what this what these people have done. But yeah, it is what it is, right? So I mean, not much yeah. more I could say. R.I.P. Ufan Khan, uh, Ricardo. If you have anything else to say, you know, take yeah, it yeah, much. You kind of cover it all there. Um, yeah, he was he was one of those great bridges between India and Hollywood, uh, Bollywood and Hollywood, I should say. And yeah, it was it's unfortunate because he was kind of that person. Um, great, great, both Western and, and Indian actor um, coming together, and, and it's one of the rare, rare examples of that. I wonder if if India go have like a, a kind of replacement for that anytime soon, and I doubt we'll see, right? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, there was another Bollywood actor that that um, passed away though. Um, yeah, uh, Rishi Kapoor um, also passed away last week as well. Um, but in this case, for me, I am really not familiar with with um, with his work, though. Um, but you know, unfortunately, this was this was a person that um, I haven't even heard about, right? But um, okay. I have a feeling that I 
I saw a, a film that that um, that he appeared in. You know what I mean? Um, but it's just for you, like for me, I can't really, you know, see what it is. Um, right. So the, the the film I was thinking about actually, because it was a film that that they they mentioned that um, this was actually his first on screen appearance. Was in a little movie that his father um, Raj Kapoor um, starred in, called um, well, direct and directed. Sorry, called Three Four Twenty. This would be right. a movie that um, I studied when I was doing uh, Indian cinema, right? Um, right? And it was actually a great movie. Actually, I really should uh, re- revisit that. But yeah, um, once again, really need to to, to check his his um, his filmography as well because outside of Three Four Twenty, I don't know any other film that he he starred in. But you know, it's just really yeah. sad that you know right after you know um, right after Ufin, um, you had you had yeah. this guy who passed away as well. So, yeah, two two shocking blows, uh, you know, to to the Bollywood right here, man. Um, Ufan, right. sorry, you know, what I mean, right after Ufan's death, um, like literally two days later, this happens. You know, what I mean, so that's crazy. Right, right. And uh, last, but I guess not least, uh, Sam Lloyd boy. Right. Uh, yeah. Flop sweat. <laughs> sorry. Flop sweat. Flop sweat. Yes, from, yes, from, yes, from. yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, great great uh, you know, I mean you he will always be known as your know, Ted Buckland from um Scrubs, yeah. which is a show that um I have seen years, years ago, you know. I as yeah. really one that I enjoyed and one that I would love to actually rewatch one of these days, you know. I mean I, I really What's do great show. Yeah. Um I forgot that he was um uh, in Seinfeld. I remember when he was when he right. made um uh, Parents of Two and that. I forgot that he was in Galaxy Quest too, you know what I mean? Um which is a show that oh. I re- really, really need to rewatch it because I remember when it first came out the cable, loved it, but I just really need to, to, to watch it over again, see if it if see if it still holds up. But yeah, yeah. boy, um got the news for this uh, I believe it was Tuesday. Yeah, last Tuesday or Friday times recording here. And yeah, man. I, I mean, it, it it didn't really shock me or anything like that. You know, I mean, if it was like a <clears throat> like a COVID nineteen, you know, related nah, death or whatnot, okay. But you know, I mean, it, he he just kind of well, what they say though is that um he was diagnosed with a brain tumor actually, so it was kind of revealed to be um lung cancer, and it just kind of spread over to his body you now. So okay. well, yeah, that's that's kind of like what happened. But yeah, boy. So last week was not was not good as far as you know actors go, boy. But yeah, anything you want to say about um, Sam Lloyd? Yeah, yeah, sad. I mean, I, I saw uh, Zach Braff posted it for the first time, so I was like, oh shit. Uh, I was like, okay, and I was like, wait, plus what there, John? Yeah, uh, I, he, I, I saw I saw his tweet first, by the way. I saw the tweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A great, I use a great, great recurring character in, um, in Scrubs. Uh, generally yeah. funny. He's one of the funniest parts of it. Um, yeah, so yeah, he will be missed. He really will be missed. Yeah, indeed, indeed, indeed. All right, so now for something a little, a little bit more uplifting. Uh, uh, I should say a lot more uplifting, actually. So we got not one but two reunions of you know cast members from two really popular and really much beloved uh, sitcoms. That would be Parks and Recreation and The Fresh Prince of Bel Air. So uh, yeah. I just want to talk about the Parks and Recreation special first of all, right? Um, this was actually aired on uh, NBC on uh, Tuesday, uh, April the, the 30th. Um, right. 
I didn't watch it live. I watched it, you know, uh, a couple of days afterwards. That's all I'll say. Um, so for me, though, I, I got into Parks and Rec. Not lately, 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 but somewhere around the time when it was about to wrap up, actually. Um, right. So I just kind of covered through all the all the seasons. And, you know, it's just it's, it's one of those shows that, you know, like I wasn't sure how I was... I was going to take it, but I was just kind of charmed from the word go, though. And it's just mainly because of the cast and just how likable they are. From Amy Poehler, who just has this irresistible smile. Every time you just see that smile, it's just like, yeah, you know what I mean? You, 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 you could smile too and not feel ashamed about it, right? Um, Adam Scott, Nick Offerman, who's like probably one of the best performers in the show, Ron. Like, he's like the best character yeah. in that show, hands down. I just love how not sarcastic he is, but just like, yeah, this is why I'm going to do, I don't really care. Okay, I don't, what, you you really think, like, he, he's just so in his own head now, like, he would just say and do what he wants and not really understand why people find him weird, you know what I mean? Or, or, um, or yeah, hockey, right? he, he, yeah, the rather than um, tone of the characters, he's supposed to be this libertarian or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, also, Aubrey Plaza. This was the first time I saw her yeah. in anything, yeah. actually. You know what I mean? Uh, I liked her in that. Uh, Chris Pratt, you know what I mean? Before he became right. Star Lord, yeah. right? He was Andy, who was just a, this lovable goof. Uh, Rob Lowe, you know what I mean? Uh, he played Chris, who would end up becoming the husband of, well, McGill, uh, Rashida Jones, right? Who was like, right. who plays Anne, who's like the best, best friend to Leslie. And there's always this back and forth with how Leslie just. Loves us so much as a friend and all that kind of stuff, right? Um, another favorite character of mine, Tom, played by my boy Aziz Ansari. You know what I mean? I just love how, how much of a playboy and trying, trying to be this kind of wannabe Kanye. Like, literally, he was trying to be like a Kanye West. I like, swear to God. Um, Retta, who I haven't seen in any other show after this. I could, I, if, if I, I'd love to find out what other stuff she's been in. Because, yeah, I thought that she was hilarious in this show, too. Um, she plays Donna, you know what I mean? Best friends with, with Tom. Then also um, Jim O'Hare, right, who plays Gary, who is just this this fat guy who everybody just kind of loves to shit up, right? It's just like, you know, you shut up, Gary, you know, that kind of stuff, right? And it's just like, oh, man, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I, I, I was just charmed by the show. And, you know, when it ended, I thought it ended on a, on a, a high note, in my opinion, right? So um, because of what's going on here, you know what I mean, they decided to have this, um, this reunion, this special, basically. And... I'm not gonna like critique the um the, the show here. Reason being is because it's actually for a, a good cause, man. Um, it's really like this benefit thing that they did for um this foundation, well, a non-profit organization, sorry, called Feeding America, right? So the idea yeah. is that you donate it, and the um you know uh, with the amount of money made, they will send it to well, just distribute it to families who you know what I mean who who need food you know, in, in this whole COVID nineteen madness, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's for a good cause. I can't say, oh well, you know what I mean. This was terrible, blah blah blah. You know what I mean? It's it's not like that, right? But um, that's a little segue here for a bit. It is one of like a few shows at the moment that you know still trying to not so much is well basically just entertaining people. It's not trying to do anything out of the ordinary, but just like, look, I know you guys are home. Let's do what we can to entertain you guys, even though we are stuck at home as well, right? So, yeah. big example would be like Saturday Night Live at home, right? We had right. Um, two episodes of those, um, right? And you know, yeah, you really have to admire what it is these guys are doing here, because at first it's like, 
oh gosh man like the, you're, you're really trying to do this like, you'll just wait for this thing but it's like no like let's entertain our fans man because let's bring right. a smile to their faces so you have to admire you know what I mean the people behind the scenes for doing that right and it's the same thing here right you know what I mean um, and similar to Saturday Live at Home they do some green screen work here or there some you know blatant intentionally stuff but that's part of the joke you know in front of a green screen right that would be like um, Aziz's character you, you, you see him bl- Completely in front of a green screen, like yeah, yeah, we we know that's part of the joke, right? And the idea is that he's vacationing somewhere in Bali, but you know, it's right. a, a, a green screen he's behind, right? Behind, sorry. Um, but what was also pretty interesting here, well, I actually admire this too, is that they pretty much play in the the, the original characters. So Amy's right. Leslie, Adam is Ben, and so on and so forth, right? And they just playing it off like, oh, well, this is years after. You know what I mean? The show came to an end. They're still in Pawnee. Well, some of them are. Others kind of move out of Pawnee, right? And it's just like, uh, well, the, the premise basically is that Amy has this... Well, technically, it's supposed to be Skype, but they can't use the, the word Skype, right? So they invent this... I forgot the, the actual name of the um, the software, whatever it is, right? But the idea is that is this change. So if one person calls, next person has to call the next person, right? So kind of goes like from Amy to... Um, to Ben, and then from Ben to Ron, and so on and so forth, and then it just pretty much ends with everybody together in this one call, and um, and Andy does well one of his favorite songs that would be the little Sebastian's tribute if you remember that from the series, cool. Right. And everybody was pretty much singing it, and you know it was it was a nice moment. Like for me, it was just like, oh yeah, I remember that song, right, right, right. Um, and I imagine like for for diehard fans, it's gonna be a moment where. Yeah, you'll you'll kind of tear up now because it's like, yeah, boy, I remember this song. You know what I mean? Uh, but yeah, it, it really was was a genuinely nice moment. Um, you saw some side characters that you know I haven't seen in quite some time. I saw Paul Rudd. I saw um, Ben Schwartz. You know what I mean? I saw Mo Collins. You know what I mean? Like I forgot she was in that show too. And they yeah. were pretty much playing the same characters they played in the in the series um, um, series itself. And you know, all in all, not much more I could say. I mean, it was just like a nice, heartfelt. Reunion, but just done in a different way. Just kind of letting people know, hey, this is what the characters are up to now. They in the same situation as you guys, and you know they they're trying to deal with it just like you all at home. But you know, what I mean, with this, here's this one opportunity where we could kind of forget about the worries of the world and just have fun. You know, what I mean, just laugh and smile, and you know, maybe shed a little tear or two, and yeah, that's it. So not much more I could say about the, the Parks and Recreation special. It was nice. It was heartfelt. It tugged at the heartstrings a bit. And, you know, it was just nice seeing, seeing the gang together. And I mean, everybody who was in the show, too. It wasn't like somebody was left or, you know, passed away or whatnot. But it was nice. It was nice. Yeah. Uh, you, you saw it, by the way, or you didn't? No, I didn't watch this. I watched the other, or the other thing we're going to talk about. Uh, right. Okay. Well, yeah, we, we'll I just familiarly do it the SNL um, at home stuff, uh, which was the first episode was kind of shaky, but it's, uh, I thought the second episode was it was quite well done. They they like yeah. you know sat down and thought about what to do with it, and they had a lot of great sketches in that second one. Um, yeah, they, they really work out the kinks of the first one, and yeah. I was like, all right, cool. Yeah. This is what we could do. This is what we can't do. Uh, right. We we're not gonna spend a lot of time poking fun at social media. Uh, options like I felt the first episode was just like okay let's make fun of Zoom and let's make fun of Instagram right. and YouTube you know what I mean it was just too much right. of hey let's make fun of these things you know right yeah 
yeah, right. yeah, yeah, right. Um, so yeah, so that's about that. But uh, well, yeah, the show that I did watch the premiere of, well, sorry, the the reunion of which was uh, well, Fresh Prince. Yeah, Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Um, so yeah, well, right. Well, since you you saw it, we could just kind of weigh in on what we thought, right? So yeah, so essentially, we boy yeah. Will Smith was just like, hey, let's let's meet up online. Um, I think it right. was uh, um, I think it was a, a Snapchat. It was actually um, Zoom, right? But they had right. a well, because of first in Snapchat, there was a Snap Original. So there's a, I guess there's a show that's on Snapchat. Wow, look at that, right? So that was an episode, right? Which he called Will at Home, um, right? And yeah, it's essentially Will calling up the gang. You know what I mean? Just catching up on on everyone. You know what I mean? Well, everyone who's who's still there. You know what I mean? Um, so you know, I was glad to see Alfonso Ribeiro. Karen Parsons, right. you know, Tatiana Ali, Joseph Marcel, who plays, um, you know, Jeffrey. Uh, right. We didn't see Nikido or Ross Beagley, who plays Nikki Banks. So whatever, whatever. No. Um, DJ Jazzy Zeff, of, of course, he had to be there. And yeah, so we were, well, I didn't really think, think about it that much, though. But, you know, at the same time, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Clearly, clearly, there's still some kind of animosity going on. Uh, Daphne Maxwell Reed, right, who played right. the second Vivian Banks, right, right. came in yeah. um, in the fourth season. So Janet Hubbard Witten, who played the original Vivian Banks, is just like, yeah, I ain't coming on this shot. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I expect that because they had a lot of blood, blood going forward. It had, a, it had a thing. I remember it had something a couple years ago, a little more than that, where, where she had this big blow up on, on the on the internet, and everybody had this really funny uh, Twitter thread called the, the Dark Viv Rises. And <laughs> the Dark Viv Rises, I love it. Yeah, they had a bunch of there was a great bit about it. And, well, everybody's kind of compared to the original. In my personal opinion, I prefer the first Vivian Banks to the second um, because you know she had more of a presence in the script and whatnot. And yeah. Whatever. But, um, but, but but to be fair, I mean Daphne did her thing, huh? I remember there was right. one scene in one scene in, in one episode, yeah, I mean the second half of the series, where about take um oh gosh, where Jazz made the sort of the self-referential joke that hey, you know what I mean like like kinda let the audience know that hey, this is the Vivian that we know, right? Yeah, so just kinda sure. seeing it to the to the audience <laughs> basically. That was funny. Because they, they get rid of it in a perfect time because uh, the character was pregnant. So when she yeah. had the child, when she had the child, they, they had to go to the hospital, disappear for a while, and come back and she looked different. I think the big problem what people had is a couple things. Um, well, one, you know, they don't look like each other at all. And then two, um, you know, a big, a big factor was, you know, the, there's a whole lot, still a lot of colorism issues in, in, in the black community. So to get such a light actress was a big problem for a lot of people. I remember a lot of people had a big issue with that. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so that's about that. Anyway, uh, right. but this this is pretty. This I'm sorry, I keep saying premiere. This reunion was pretty good. It was, um, it was. as short as it was. It was. It was sweet. It was genuine. It was from the heart. Um, I love the fact yeah. that Will was showing old clips. Um, not not the yeah. clips that I thought he would have show. You know what I mean? Like um, case in point, um, when when um, when when Jeffrey quit and he was like, I quit. I yeah. quit. I quit. I wish he had yeah. shown that, but he had another great moment with the, uh, with that too. But yeah, we we got to see some some old moments from like the. Um, like the first or second seasons, case in point, one one popular one I I never forgot that will be with Tatiana Ali with um, well sorry with um, 
Oh gosh, well, I'll call her by name basically. Where Ashley, where, well, where Will was telling Ashley, well, you know, when, when a bully sta- um, step up the other plate, like you have the stickers, like back off, back off, mind your business, right? So there was that. I, I crack up when I saw that. Um, some other moments from right. like the, the latter seasons too, where, you know, um, Daphne was there, you know what I mean? But yeah, um, some some great, you know, recaps and, oh yeah, remember that moment? Cool. That, that was nice. That was nice. Yeah, yeah, it was, I thought it was a great show. Daddy had a. Great homage to well, Uncle Phil, um, James yeah, Avery James, himself. James Avery, James Avery. Yeah. I thought it was interesting how they edit that together and they show all of their faces and cut it together, really well, well, well edited. And and yeah. Yeah. That's how the scenes with him, um, the, you know, probably the most popular scene of all with, with Will and his dad, and and yes. you know why won't he want that stuff like that. Um, one of my favorite um, Phil Banks moments is the part where the where the um you find out that Banks really good at playing pool. Yes, 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 yes. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was that was actually um a great um episode actually. And you know, as yeah. as I saw that that um that montage where I it, it, it kinda took me back um, you know, literally New um New Year's Day twenty fourteen, lunchtime. I'm I'm on Facebook and I see James Avery die. I'm like what? Yeah. And that just kinda shut everything down for me, but cause like yeah, it's Uncle Phil, man. I mean okay. the Saudi the Saudi year start, bro. Saudi year start, you know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, um, that, that was a, a really excellent send-off. Well, it's not, not, not really a send-off, but tribute to him, actually. And yeah. um, even better is just seeing how, well, nearly everyone was staying up. I mean, Will was staying up, um, Tatiana, um, Daphne, and I mean, everybody just shed a little tear, man. And that, that, that was really nice. Everybody, even though they kept it together, you could tell that they were emotional by that moment, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, um, but yeah, I'm I, I glad that that they actually did this um you know what i mean and it was just nice seeing everyone back you know what i mean um i know you know folks like karen parsons and tatiana ali don't move on to do things but they were just glad yeah. seeing them again and just reflecting on you know previous episodes though i wish that we heard more from from karen though like i wasn't really hearing her hearing her that much but other right. than that though yeah everything was was great though it was, it was like i say it was short it was sweet I mean, I, I grew up on these shows, so it was just great seeing the, yeah. the gang all together again. And yeah, I mean, not much more we could say about that. All right, so last week you brought up a movie, um, I believe it was on Amazon Prime, called Butt Boy. Right. And I was like, Butt Boy? Okay, what is this? So um, yeah, take it away. What 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 is Butt Boy? What, what is that about? Uh, How do you describe this? It's, I, I dare not, okay, so the name, the name gives it away in a sense. Because you'll know what it's about, but I find it, it. I was really shocked that they actually went through it. What they, what the entire premise was about. So it's about this guy who have to solve a crime of people going missing, and so it's a big detective, detective, new noir procedural. Uh huh. Except what this big, the big mystery is about. I don't. I don't know if I want to spoil the mystery of it because it's it's the name. Sounds it out in a sense. But then right. how well, 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 question, well, question, right? It's, it's, um, is it a dark comedy or is it like some yeah, of, of noir films, but it's just like, right. ooh, well, you know, the joke it's is like, in the title, it's, right? It's not really a comedy. It's not really a comedy because it's just played so straight now. But ah, it's just it's okay. it's ridiculous. Right. Like what the mystery is. Like, the, to solve the crime or what the, well, what the mystery was already going on. You would be like, all right, you know, it played, it's done really well. And I, I did, now this gets into an interesting argument about, well, 
Or does a filmmaker could just get um a filmmaker could get like the attention and from because you can't just be oh well I just good at film technique and, and approach. The, the guy, the director is ridiculously talented at that. Except the problem is that I have no interest in way or reason to watch this movie. Until they find out what the premise of the film thing is and they, they reveal it what it is. And it's not like it grows or anything like that. Like you thought they had to do it realistically or anything like that. It's completely unrealistic. If, except for that one thing. And right. I have to say this is probably one of the best movies I've seen for the year so far. Right now, I'm not saying okay. much because Okay. <laughs> And because just just from simply the fact that how well uh, done it is, in terms of they just telling the story, building the mystery, all the acting is good. Uh, I think the, the director plays the quote unquote butt boy himself. Um, and yeah, I, I was just so impressed by that. But it have, it have, unless you want me to spoil it, it have nothing else to talk about. No, like no, no, just... no, no, please, no, please, no, please do it. I will, I will, I will see the show for myself. But I'm, I'm just right. impressed that how you told me how they kind of play it out um, with a street feast yeah, without it de- being a be- comedy, you know what I mean? No, right. That's the thing. It's not, because I don't think it's a comedy per se, other than the fact that how ridiculous the, the central mystery is. So it's like, it's that. But because it's played so well done and it's so well shared, it's like, well, this real hard to do. It's like, it's a solid neo-noir, solid detective story, um, great, great, great premise and setup of what the story is, how going on in terms of like, well, it have a, uh, a time lapse in terms of the beginning of the story, then it, it reveals well what the person's about, and then it have a whole thing involving. So this this could have been easily like just you know from a script standpoint, it could have easily been a normal murder story or something right. like that. And it's kind of that, and there they reveal like how it's being done is it was ridiculous together, but it's <laughs> really well done. Uh, it's really really well done. So I I had a rate this I rated it very high, like it's it gets like an eight out of ten for me. Um, nice. Still pretty, standard, still pretty standard stuff from a, a a detective standpoint. It's not mind blowing or brilliant or any, any big twist or anything like that. It's just well executed and then the weird premise, and that's it. Right. Uh, you and, know, uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I, I have a feeling that this, like, once more people, you know, catch wind of it, um, it will, it will, it will grow some, some, some of a of a cult following. You know what I mean? Uh, people will be like, yeah, this movie was great, but you know. Many yeah. people didn't want to see it because of the title and oh well this the twist right. you know what I mean I'll that put, kind of stuff there. Yeah, what, what movie what movie remind me of I'll put it in the same vein as something like Rubber. Remember that? You know, I, I haven't seen Rubber, you know. I wasn't sure okay, whether right. it would have been good. Like I saw the right. trailer, thought it was thought it was like real hilarious. But then I just hear right. beyond the grapevine that, you know, it was like the uh, But I didn't watch it, but yeah, I, I have okay, uh, so, but yeah. I would argue I would argue Robber went on a little too long and that's the only reason it was held back. But um it I thought the central, like a way how they this taking the approach of the horror and the all the film techniques involved was, was brilliant. Um yeah. but you know it's just the central ridiculous premise of this tired, this rather wrong and killing people there. Yeah, and okay. so that, that's how that's what Butt Boy is. It, it have that same premise to it, which is it's you could take it very seriously from that standpoint, except for this thing that is totally jarring and ridiculous. And that is the entire film. Uh, but it's one of my favorite movies of the year. I can't say that is a big piece of praise simply because, um, you know, this year has been, well, quite sparse and we really watch a bunch of stuff online. Um, but, you know, you know, stuff that would have make like an easy million anyway. You know, sorry, an easy, like, normal box office kind of thing anyway. No? Right. I don't know if this would have make at all. This would have been like just probably not make at all because of the ridiculous premise. But it would have been one of those things to talk about. 
and I, I really, really hope this, um, this, this guy, you know, it would have probably got theater release. Otherwise, no, I don't know. So that's it. Okay, okay, okay. I just, just open up this, this the way how, how you describe it with the little that you've given me. Um, I'm intrigued. Uh, I'm really intrigued. I, I really do want to check it out now for myself. All right. Okay. So moving from one detective show to another one in a sense if you really want to call it that uh i will talk about the innocence files right this was one that um was on my radar for quite some wh- for, for quite a while mainly because on rajibla.com the show got a uh, a four out well just a four to four stars right just like all right would i enter netflix okay cool i'm 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 gonna check this out right but um what is this about right so essentially it's a uh, a true crime series, right? I mean, this is not the first one that we've seen from Netflix. That was going to be the last, right? But the premise for this is quite interesting. Well, just before I jump into what it's about, right? So one thing that kind of threw me off, though, is that I thought that this was a mini-series, but it's actually a normal series, right? But it's just a document, uh, docu-series. So it's docu-series, but not mini-series, right? If that, yeah. if that makes sense. So it's not last dance or oh jimmy in america um but it's not like unsolved mysteries or you know we like shows of that nature right if that makes sense and uh what it's about right it centers not entirely on but it involves cases that were revived basically uh through a group called the the innocence project right um Right, so the idea is that uh, they, their job is basically to get wrongfully convicted people out of prison, right? But what the show centers on basically is just different individuals from different states who have been, you know, who who did serve time in, in prison, right? And then, well, through some circumstances, either, you know, they were, well, either, you know, uh, evidence came up and they were, they were set free or um, they personally wrote letters to the incense project and that's when they jumped in and you know i mean just went back into the case right uh a majority of these cases you know well i mean it was kind of you kind of saw it coming but you know just it just kind of made the show even more emotionally gripping uh minorities basically right you know i mean there's um not a well all right so essentially it's nine episodes in total right the first case is split up into three episodes right and that's where, yeah. you know, I mean, I imagine for people going in, you might get all true off and think, oh, well, is this whole series going to be about this one guy? You know what I mean? But it's not really like that. Or I should say two guys, actually, because, yeah, two guys are involved in it, right? And, yes, yeah, two black guys, actually. They, um, I forgot from what state they're from. Um, oh, yes, they're from Mississippi, actually. Yeah, right. we're, going, we're going down there. We're going down there, right? And, um, yeah, the show does not hesitate to show, you know what I mean, the racial history, the, the history of racism, actually, I should say. I was going to say racial tensions, but that's really the, the history of racism in that state, right? And how that led pretty much to this one particular guy getting arrested for a murder that he did not commit, right? And then him having to, to, to serve time for all these years. And, you know, you, you see... Literally from when the crime takes place and where he was at the time when he gets arrested, the courtroom stuff that goes on after that when he's when he gets arrested, um, the show itself doesn't focus a lot on, you know, the time when he was in prison. So it's not like say, um, oh gosh, the Central Park Five, um, 
you know, miniseries that, um, you know, that, that Netflix had last year. Name escapes right. me right now, even though it was on my best stuff list, right? But it doesn't spend a lot, it doesn't shoot them in jail and all that kind of stuff. They will reminisce and say, yeah, I served this time, blah, 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 but they wouldn't tell you about the hardships they went through there. It's not about that, right? Um, there would be lawyers who would step in. Well, some of them either represent the innocence, um, the innocence project, or there would just be other lawyers who would just be like, yeah, I, I, I kind of have a feeling something wrong here no like like something not right here and then right. just through some personal motivation they go and they meet with the, the 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 guys themselves the prisoners and then they work on this case that so they just hire um, they work with other people other experienced lawyers and all that kind of stuff and they just figure out what went on they would even go as far as reenacting certain you know moments right so this one um Really great episode actually was a two part actually involving this um this Latino guy right who um was involved in a gang right so he's a gang member but he's not a gang banger as in he wouldn't go out and do you know acts of violence right but he's just part of a gang because his sister marry a gang member and so he's just kind yeah. of part of the family now but yeah he was accused of a drive by in um, in LA right. And everybody assumed that he was in the passenger seat. He fired two shots at um, this guy, and well, his son and his well, the son and his friends were out just talking. And he just came outside to tell them to come inside, and that's where the car passed. And he got shot, right? So everybody assumed it was him because oh well, you part this gang, and we saw you on the block before. So you know, is that kind of thing now? Um, I just jumped into the review here one time, and. The way how these these crimes are like, well, like, at first, you're like, yeah, yeah, well, will he do that? Because, you know what I mean? He look like the kind of person who did this and look at right. where he's he's at or who he's associated with, right? And that's one of the, the, the major things that they should touch on. It's because you're, you know, just because you are a product of a particular environment don't mean that you just, it's a tea that's going to be the one to be, you know, part of some crime or murder or something like that right but they see how easy it is for people to point fingers and say yes is you right and at first well this is what i love about the show right so it kind of sets up like yeah you see the movie you see what happened so okay well it had to be him because that person was there or something like that or they they caught him afterwards doing something like well yeah so clearly that it had to be him now so you know uh, upon first glance thinking all right cool he did it but then later on he will that person will come and say well, saying he because yeah, everybody, all the characters involved, the main characters involved are are, are men, right? And the yeah. well, a majority of them are black. There's one who is Hispanic, and there's one in the final episode who is white. Though that that actually catch me by surprise. But yeah, um, so he will come and explain. But wait, I wasn't there. I was doing something else instead, right? So you like wait now. So are you lying to us? Why are you lying to us, right? And then they kind of real, but then when they they go to friends and family members, they will tell you, yeah, that's exactly where he was. That's exactly what he right. was doing. So like, wait, so why did they arrest him now? And then when right. they actually delve in deep now into the circumstances, that's where the show really shines. Cause it kind of exposes well the whole criminal justice system, like how people are accused of crimes, whether it's um you know lineups or whether it's eyewitness accounts or DNA. They were well, the first um. First story, which I see takes up three episodes, centers on um well orthodont uh, orthodontist 
uh, research actually. So they well, it mean it actually involves this um, this girl, this three year old girl who was kidnapped from a home. She was raped and she was actually thrown into his pond and they found bite marks on her. And they weren't sure where the bite marks came from. I'm not going to say where the bite marks came from. But um, they thought that the killer did it. But then they were like, okay, well, why would a guy, for one thing, throw the gill in the, in, the, in the pond and then pick her back up and bite her? And then the the odd bite marks that would be on her, like her hands, sorry, on her arms and legs, is like that's not how a person would bite someone, you know what I mean? But, you know, at first glance, it's like, well, yeah, the person do it because he's a sick bastard right but then it's yeah. like well they'll go in depth and then show you well no that's not how it works however do and this is another great thing about the show there will always be detractors or there will always be those that will tell you up front yes this is exactly what happened i've been studying this thing for years i know what i'm doing in that in that um that story in particular which because i bring it up so much i have to admit yes the first three episodes are the best in the in the whole season i would say but yeah um yeah. this is one guy who's this experienced dentist right and he also learned well he also dug into other um you know aspects of you know just criminal ju- sorry not criminal justice um you know like blood splatter research and just aspects right. of you know crime research and stuff like that and he would just tell you straight to your face yeah, like I know exactly what's going on. I have my PhD and I have my degrees and all that kind of stuff. So I am experienced. I know this thing. But if you if you come on if you come now and say, well, oh well, I'm wrong. Well, fine. But the point is, the guy served his time, and that's the next thing right. is that the people served their time. They didn't serve the entirety of their of their um, jail sentence, of course, right? Um, some of them are actually up for well, heading to to death row actually. And luckily, well, they avoided that, right? But yeah, you know, he could come and say, well, you know, they mean they served the time. Case solved, right? Yeah. But then these guys will come and say, no, that's that's not what happened. And then eventually, you'll find the real perpetrator. There's actually one episode where they didn't even find out who the perpetrator was, you know what I mean? But luckily, the, the, the person um, was, was freed, right? And um, yeah. I would say right off the bat, if you are into, you know, just into true crime, if you're into American law and, you know, tr- um, criminal justice then yeah you will be you will you will find a lot to, to dig in with this right um yeah. i would say this as far as gripes go they are pretty lengthy there's one particular episode in the um middle point which is like an hour and 21 minutes yet. so it's like legit a movie because um all the episodes are primarily an hour long and this one in particular was 81 minutes and i've okay. seen it it should not have been that long but at the same time I'd admit, yeah, it, it did drag, though. Um, also, too, because of the nature of it, because um, it is a police procedural um, series as well. So they go really in-depth, you know what I mean? They analyze certain things. They explain certain things. I know for some people, they don't like their documentaries to kind of hold their hand and tell them how things are. But uh, sorry, this is exactly how it has to be. Because, right. you know, it's not, uh, unless yeah, so you are a lawyer or whatever it is, unless you know these things, then, nah, they have to... You have to explain this stuff to you, bro. Uh, right. Sorry, this after this, this 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 have a big overlap with uh how to fix a drug scandal. Um, right, but right, more right. To, more to do with the aspect of well, people who compromise in in two different ways, and how the criminal justice system does be don't really care because they need the reprosecution case, and it's pushed for that. And right. in the case, uh, um, case of in your well, in your case, is more to do with just they need a criminal. So they need to get somebody who's on the cop side of the situation. 
in this yeah. the forensic side um and well one of the one of the perpetrators annie duhan um is a trinidadian by the way which was like weird and i think he's not familiar with the story back then uh that had a similar situation and then the other girl um should i forget she name right now but uh the other girl she um she was a drug drug user so she was using the drugs and that is why she would have been compromised right. um in case now and as uh, she came she came claiming that she 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 keep doing the right thing with respect to the respect to the um to the to the to her job but no once you take drugs and sorry to say it you are you have to be considered compromised in that way now and uh, so right. that, that is pretty much what went down there but you could tell they they, they had to go out to the way to prove the case um which was ridiculous if you think about it yeah like, you still it, it to, is yeah they still had to prove the case going forward um even though they clearly compromise figures now, and they lie and they manipulate as literally thousands of cases that this inter- interfere and all of this is like low-level bullshit crimes eh? that's the sad yeah. part now. so it's all about the general the, 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 the general nature of the um general nature of the the system and there, there's another thing i want to talk, to talk about and this is like a kind of counterintuitive argument mm-hmm. um so this is like a last point under to mention they're talking about just general innocence and the there's an interesting paradox of innocence, um, especially in, in relation to the death penalty. And mm. this is like an argument I'll do for in what I call, it's a kind of way I call the solemn, a kind of Solomon defense, right, of the death penalty. So, you know, that famous story of Solomon in, in the Old Testament where he, his plan was to he tell his God to kill the baby. You split it literally too. Yeah. Right, right. And he had no intention to kill the baby, but the, the, what he does, he just threatened to kill the baby, and it, it, it revealed the, the person who should, who should really care about the baby, right? Um, with that life or that situation. And I would argue that there's a very similar defense to be made in defense of the death penalty, and here's how I'd argue it. And it's, it's basically a, a, a strange paradox of innocence. Now, it's not my, not my argument originally. I'll, I'll, I'll credit this to someone called Garrett Miriam, a fellow called Sisyphus Redeemed on YouTube. I recommend looking up this video. It's not that long, it's like 10 minutes. But it's an right. excellent defense and case to show that if you're, the problem with the death penalty and the nature of the death penalty is that it's, it's a linchpin that ironically saves a lot of lives. And because if you're getting rid of the death penalty, you can't just get rid of it by itself. You'll have to rehaul the entire system when it comes to um, um, you know, jail and people like that. And here's how it goes. If you put the death penalty, if you keep the death penalty on um, the books, you increase the likelihood of, the, of an innocent person going free, statistically. Right. Mm. And for this, is a very simple reason. Well, it's a Solomon argument, right? Um, people are more likely to push for the case. But if you get rid of the death penalty, there's a much higher chance of people spending a lot of time in prison, um, you know, innocently. And will and eventually will die in prison. You know, death will come one way or the other. Um, and that's the most interesting. That's a kind of interesting kind of way to look at it in a sense. No? And it show how strange and corrupt the criminal justice system and how we had to look at um, look at that in general now. And that is one of the things that I have a big problem with, especially with the war on drugs. Um, because you notice all of this is somewhat related. I'm sure a lot of it is related to the war on drugs and then a crime and who part of what and gang banging and the reason why you're looking at them more more serious is because you think they, they do this and it connected to that and the other and people can look at cases better now and more likely again to go to the central park five these people needed a criminal and they, they let the real criminal go free that is the problem now. so there's a double injustice going on um and that, that is my big big issue with it now. anyway 
yeah, in a sense, Styles uh, and well, be sure I should have reviewed last time. Yeah, but them overlap really well. Anyway, that's my last time. So you can finish on your review on a sense Styles. I give, yeah, I give well, how to. I, I'll just quick re- re- rating from a thing. I'll give how to, um, how to fix a drug scandal. I'll give that an eight out of ten. Um, mm-hmm. It's a little dry, but still good and necessary. Right, 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 right. Um, and right. that's the same thing I, I will see. Well, apart, well, uh, you know, not dry, but um, yeah, I would say the same thing about um, about Innocence Files, right? It is very necessary. Right. Uh, just like when they see us, that's the title I was thinking of. Um, right, 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 right. It, it is, it does really, it just shines a light on, you know, just the justice system in the United States. Um, and it kind of shoots it from, you know, different angles uh, from, you know, the media, you know, I mean, like how we would just see a crime. You know, what I mean, a news report of a crime, and just assume, oh, they arrest this guy. Okay, so it has to be that guy. Or if the guy is arrested and goes to jail, we assume, oh, well, yeah, he deserves that because he was. Yeah. You know, what I mean? like we don't know everything that went on behind and, the and, scenes. You know, that's what the show here, you know, shine, yeah, I'm trying the, to like. Yeah, because what? But the main thing about the justice thing is people just keep talking about well, you serve your time, that somehow fixes the situation or fixes. And like, no, it it doesn't. And right. here's why. Two reasons. One, the amount of time lost, right? So the person deserves compensation. And even if you say, oh, well, you're going to wipe the slate clean and let it, the person move on with their life, they still have a, they still have a crime on their, their record. So it's much more difficult for ex-cons to get a job. Yeah, um, which is another thing the show addresses on. Like, yeah, I, would say yeah. every, I would say nearly every climax of these, of these um, stories and episodes always centers on, okay, I'm out... What do I do? Right. Am I being compensated? Yeah. Some of them don't even get compensated because of yeah. just legal bullshit, right? But I'll leave it there. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, but yeah, you know, this is, well, just just to get a few gripes out of the way, right? Just little minor stuff, right? Um, because I went in expecting, like, one full story. <laughs> um, it'll be because we just so used to the to the you know to the last dances and you know I, I don't know because I just get so spoiled by um oh Jimmy in America I just think that every every yeah. docu series must be about one story there you know what I mean but I was actually glad that the first uh, first story took three episodes and that to me was the best one because it just had such a compelling uh, main character involved um and you know just hearing his backstory the stuff he went through um where he's from those kind of things. Yeah, I mean, it's it's heartbreaking. It's really it's really heartbreaking and really and oftentimes kind of tough to watch too because it's not like it's graphic or anything like that. But just when you hear yeah. the stuff that they go through, like you know, and this right. is before they go to jail too. Eh? That's that's what I talk about. Just like yes. oh, right. and, yeah, and it's, it's, I, it's almost like all they're doing this thing because of the person's skin color, right? Even though at right. times they deny it, but you just, know, it it just kind of lingers over your head. That yeah, how to have some right. kind of racism thing going on here i mean it's 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 just not making the extra effort you know with another person you know nobody gonna again if nobody care nobody will make will fight up and help her help you out sorry to say uh the the banality of the system is is the problem you know as i say it have something called the banality of evil how come injustice keep going on for so many people for so long i know it have a real simple answer and option uh money right have a lot of the, the the nature of the system and how it works is that people have to get money and it's more about reputation you know the the, in, the we have a very there's a very perverse incentive uh with respect to um prosecutors right prosecutors need to win you know all these lawyers they need to win and that shit now and mm-hmm. that bullshit will just like drive and then because they're such good lawyers from a prosecution standpoint 
they don't really have any moral, like they don't really care. They just care. They just get a man. Same same problem. And these things, these people just use these big cases to leverage their own careers. That's that yes, why yes, they, yes, when they yeah, see um, us, was so, yeah, that's why it's so put. So, it was so. That's why the situation with with um Central Park Five was so perverse and pathological because yeah. the the cop, the two cops who was the woman, they they went on to have great careers. They sell books. For years, yeah. like decades. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, I, I, I yeah, remember. Exactly. Heat, I remember hitting them in in that in that uh, in that show. But I would like. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. because that's that's the real the real um the real real problem with all of this stuff now. Like, how are you gonna? It's have any way to deal with them. Them people are still making money. You know, they're still rewarding bad behavior. And well, we will get into that with the, with the next movie. We get we we gonna talk about that. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, literally, we're gonna talk about it next. Yeah. Yeah. It is yeah, sad um, that it's a real punishment for that now. You know, yeah. uh, you know, it's our old statement it's to ask for forgiveness and to ask for permission. Now. Um, is is ah. really is really, really ridiculous now. How yeah, yeah. just uh, really justice the person's life being being appended in, in this way and no real compensation, no me no real effort, and you would think they at least pay them off and let them forget it. Nah, nah. So sorry to say it. Um, you need you know sorry to we need a, a, you need some real judge lawyer to counter back this nonsense now. However, exactly. All right, so right. just just to kind of round things up, right? So um, another another issue I had though um is that with each episode, right? Well, sorry, with each story, I keep saying episode, each story, they will tell you, okay, it's about the prosecution or the evidence, right? And you'll be like a part part one, part two, part three, and then you have the alternate title, right? There was somewhere in the middle point, right? I couldn't help but think about it or notice it, right? Where I swear like they, they call two episodes part two or part three. Almost like they made a little mistake there and like they just like nobody picked up on it, but this I with my four eyes just picked up on it. Like um and because I picked up on it, I was wondering if I did if if I skipped the episode or not now. But then I look, I was like, No, I'm watching everything in order. I'm watching the story play out from the beginning. This is the middle point or this is the end, because some episodes, some stories run for like two episodes. It's just the first one ran for three, right? So I was a little worried if I skipped some other was like, no, there was a little, you know, typo here or there, right? Um and then also too, because it's twenty twenty and because, you know, we, we have to make things you know, modern and stuff like that, right? They use different techniques to, I would say, to replicate certain time periods, right? Because, um, like the eras that they, they span, it's like from the 80s to about the 2000s, right? So, um, there's like a few moments where they will use like the VHS filter and, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, kind of incorporate footage in. There's one scene where they, they incorporate um, interrogation footage into the lens of a camera. And I was looking at it like, you know, that it's just literally like a reflection that or yes took the image and just put it, just superimposed it there to make it look like it's a real camera that was filming that stuff. You know what I mean? So like those right. little post-production stuff that I just kinda noticed. Like but I'll say it 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 works in terms of just giving the show just a, a modern shine to things, you know what I mean? Not making it feel all like you know, or, or 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 I should say like some sort of Errol Morris film from like the eighties or nineties or whatnot. You know what I mean? Like it, it feels very much like okay, it was it was made in twenty twenty or I should say twenty nineteen, right? But yeah, those little filter stuff, I was just like, yeah, but you know, other shows do the same thing too, though. But it works in terms of the context of what they talk about, right? So. That's just minor grabs. But other than that, though, um, this is a fantastic um, docu-series, though. Um, it's not going to be for everyone, though, um, especially if you just get turned off by just seeing black people or Hispanics or just, just the working man, you know, being 
pulled out of their normal situations and just put into um, into this circumstance that they didn't have anything to 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 do. Um, to they, they weren't involved at all. You know what I mean? Um, and what just as I said before, what I love about the show is that at first you just you know it it just shows how easy it is for people to just look at them and be like, yeah, yeah, well. You saw it on the news. Yeah, he did it. He went to court. He did it. He went to jail. Yeah, he did it. You know what I mean? And then yeah. when you realize what really went down, yeah, and you kind of shocked, it's like, but how? You know what I mean? And it's almost like, it's almost like purposeful how these how these guys get roped into these things. Like literally, you could be like miles away from the crime scene, and they still, you know, arrest you because oh, well, the victim yeah. saw your face. You know what I mean? Um, there's even yes, one episode yes. where um, where it's literally the ex boyfriend of a of well, the victim's ex boyfriend. And they just pull this guy up, pull him, uh, put him on, um, you know, into a lineup. Sorry, and yeah. because she's familiar with him, even though she was blindfolded, and even though the guy had a mask on, she still point him out, and he still yeah. ten years. It's it's, yeah. it's that kind of thing, though. It's that kind of hypocrisy. So yeah, this is the one who shows how gay and mad it will get you. You will feel broken hearted at times. You will. It is really, it is a tough watch, right? But um. Yeah. I would say that's for some people who just kind of want the the quickness and the absurdity of a of a Tiger King. This is not that. This is kind of sit yeah, down, yeah. relax, have a little coffee or whatnot. Because yeah, these episodes run kind of long. I just dive into it, and is uh, for me I, because I'm just so intrigued by true crime. Just learning about like forensics and you know these things like that. Um, oh yes, and last thing I want to say too, they even kind of expose the hypocrisy of like you know. TV shows that based on stuff like that, like you know, Law and Order right. and CIS and stuff like that, which kind of paint the the fact that oh, we have to stay in the match. It's so easy. Oh, no, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. that's how we a get this guy. Yeah, and they come uh, and say no, that's that's that, how it is, guys. That's not how it is. You know, that's something that is that is kind of when you think about it in retrospect is a problem because I I you know I I call it propaganda, right? Um, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, propaganda. no, it, it's just all the, the heroism of police and how police so so perfect and we get we mad every time and that bullshit now. And I look to be fair, I do like a lot of those shoes. I like Law and Order a lot. Um, I like them for what they are. But when you when you when you think about it, they they, they really spread some insidious bullshit uh, <laughs> you know, about the American justice system now. And yeah. and they have no problem, you know, portraying it and painting it. I, I like that not really that healthy now. Uh, ultimately. Yeah. So yeah, it it it's it's a very romanticized America like to romanticize the police. Um and, yeah. but that's a big factor. Yeah, that is- that's a huge factor, the whole um you know, you know, the tin blue liner. Because one of the big things is that a lot of cops themselves, um, sorry to say, they need a quota. And as you say, you have a lot of money involved in this jump up with respect to that. No? So cops need to get a case right and they need quotas. Like, especially in, like, uh, in New York in particular, you can find how much evidence. Like, well, recently, um, one of the most, one of the recent uh, mayors of New York, he went up for president and he got, his career was completely torpedoed when all this, um, that information about him come across, where they won't stop on first thing now. Um, sure. like, um, Michael Bloomberg, and yeah, yeah, right. he, he, that whole thing just gets here because it was a certain bullshit. Um, he's a, he's a person that knowingly spread bullshit, deliberately push push people to to, to um to arrest and to, to make things just for the sake of quote unquote security, and it's total nonsense, right? And it is a lot of it is to do with money and wealth and these kind of things. Though. So yeah, uh, that is pretty much that. Right, so I mean, this is one of those shows that's gonna anger you. Um, I do imagine a few people might get bored at <laughs> times, um, and that's not to say the show is unwatchable or anything like that, but just because right. of the pacing of it, um, and also because 
some episodes admittedly are stronger than others and that's mainly because um, I'm not sure if this is for every story but I believe each story is does have a, a different director involved right but yeah um, there are some incredibly powerful moments um, especially like after the after the freedom whatnot you know what I mean like those moments really resonate with me just seeing how these guys go back to their families and just what they have to deal with afterwards you know what I mean just for powerful poignant moments and um I would say, yeah, if, if you're into, you know, shows about this true crime, you know, docu-drama, um, documentaries and docu-series and all that, yeah, this is an absolute must-watch. And last thing I want to say before I get to rating, I don't want to say this show is entirely seeing that, you know, um, kind of debunking what they call junk science and seeing that, you know, all this, right. like, DNA and forensic stuff is all bullshit and it's a waste no, of time. I'm not seeing that, but... Yeah. No, because actually, well, actually, a lot of DNA stuff is 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 make the case for the for the innocence. Well, the problem, right. the problem is that you have no, you have no people checking that shit with respect to that's the right. backup. Yeah. Yeah. So that problem is that again, it's still humans have to do the science, and humans are flawed, or they could be thing like in the case of um, uh, Annie Duhan, um, she, uh, she just wanted to just again money. She wanted for for the sake of her reputation. She wanted to just say, look, I'm the best forensics person ever. And look how much people I catch. That bullshit. And she just pushing out your cases faster, like three times, four times faster than most people now. And yeah, because you want to prove a point, of course, which right. I understand, but still, I mean, still. Right. And I, I did think somebody, somebody just went and checked to say, hey, how are you, how you doing so many cases so quickly? How come? Right? How come you're doing so much cases so quickly? And it's to check. She was just, she was just half-assing it now. And not really doing the proper procedure. That's why she was doing things so quickly. Right and yeah, it it, it insidious, right? Yeah, so yeah. that's just yeah, right. that's point. It's just the share, the nature of the system is a moral hazard because everybody involved go and cut corners. So what you should do is that like if you have, if you have to cut corners, you can't have a double standard. You can't have the people who run in the system half assing it and cutting corners where the trade off going to be people's lives and literal years and and even life and death in some cases. Either you ease up the law if it easing up for them or where they can actually spend time on real, real legit cases, or yeah, um, you, you, you make sure and get every case right. But they want to do that hard work. You know, that's the problem. Right? Nobody's going to do that hard work. So that is it. They want to have an easy life. Again, we're going to get this to get into the next documentary now. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. show that well, well, sorry, sorry. Show based off of a true story, right? <laughs> but yeah, um, just to wrap things up, though, yes, I, I, I totally enjoyed this. Um, the, the odd thing is, though, is that I am not sure that this is a, a series I'm going to get back to anytime soon, though. And it's not because of the length. Well, it partly had to do with the length. Partly had to do with the length, right? But just right. because of how appropriately grim and heavy the subject matter is. So, yeah, yeah this is not an easy watch, but I would say it is a necessary one, you know what I mean? Especially if you're just kind of concerned about the stuff that we've mentioned in this review here. Um, it's not going to be for everyone, but I do think that this is one that should be should be at least discussed, or sh- people should be aware that you know this this exists, and that's why right. I really wanted to talk about this for so long. You know what I mean? This this off the premise alone, I didn't want it to be like, oh well, I mean it's on Netflix too, so I didn't want it to be like, oh well, this is show, but I don't know anything about it. It looks boring. Let me watch Tiger King for like the two times. It's like no, there's right. other great documentaries out there, so. Yeah, give this one a look, man, because it, it's 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 right up there, you know what I mean? I, I yeah. kind of see this one being in my, in my top ten. I don't know if I should actually have, you know, be like a best documentaries of the of the year. Like, I don't know, but it's just 
this year just had a lot well well i should say not a lot but just some pretty solid docs man so yeah uh so for me i'm gonna give this a decent a strong four to five man this is an absolute must watch like i say the the episodes do run long um but you know if it is treated as a season and not so much as a you know just as um basically like one case being carried out across nine episodes then you're gonna find much to appreciate here you know what i mean so um yeah. check it out if you're into that kind of stuff if not then yeah skip it but like i say just go in know that this is going to be like this is not going to be an easy watch but believe me this is one that afterwards you're going to want to you know do a lot of research learn about more you're going to come out of it kind of with your mind changed about just the american justice system and stuff like that and um yeah. um i well this last thing here this is not a spoiler but yeah a majority of the people who have left jail have um pretty much become uh, advocates for criminal reform well criminal justice right. reform i should say so you know it's glad that these guys aren't just gonna sit there and you know just be like oh well the government you know we the 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 law took this from me and whatnot you know what i mean they're, they're fighting back they're taking they're taking back their time now you know what i mean they're gonna make sure right. that other people don't suffer what they went through and that's correct that, that that's great that that they're doing that man that's actually quite inspirational actually so um not much more I could say. The Innocence Files gets a decent, a strong four to five. If this is your cup of tea, then yeah, I strongly recommend you give it a look. Right. Uh, so yeah, this this overlaps with uh, this overlaps with well with um, how to um, fix a drug scandal and mm. yeah, it overlaps heavily with that. I'll say so. Yeah, that that also gets roughly a similar score. Yeah, these shows mm. could be watched in tandem. Um, very, very similar, similar ideas, similar reasons. That's why these things happen. Um, it's just these big oversights and big moral hazards of the system, and yeah. so, right. So you could yeah, I'm, I'm actually I'm actually gonna check that show out too, though. Um, because right. you know you you told me about it and I wasn't sure if it was gonna be good because I heard that um it's kind of a slow burn, like a really 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 like you know slow burn, right? And I yeah, mean yeah. like this this show like Innocence Files was a slow burn, but about this one is gonna even be slower. But just because of the subject matter and how you described it to me, yeah, I'm gonna give this a look as well. So yes, folks, yeah. it's not just Tiger King as far as documentaries go on Netflix. There's other great true life stuff out there, man. So well sorry, true crime stuff out there, man. So yeah, give these shows a look, man. You know what I mean? Show your support, show them some love, man. You know what I mean?
right, so moving on now, let's talk about bad education, right? This is a uh, well, I'll, I'll let you do the, the um, synopsis for it, right? But yeah, this is from uh, Corey Finley, and this is actually yeah. his second film. The, the, the first one right. being uh, the show uh, that Torah. I reviewed, um, yeah, uh, Torahbreds, which I reviewed. Right. Well, I well, we we talked about actually a few years ago, yeah. Um, liked it, but didn't love it. Right, uh, see, it was like it was going for dark comedy, but it wasn't really all that funny. Um, like I get it, but I, I, I didn't, I didn't, yeah, and it didn't really gel together for me, but yeah, I got yeah, what yeah, he was going yeah, to, yeah, it, it, exactly, really, really, yeah, like we got what he was going for. It was very well shot, very well acted, but still, it was just like, uh, uh, yeah. you know, what I mean? but yeah, um, and hey, also, one of his last films, I think, yes, and um, that was, yes, that was Anton Yelchin's, um. Uh, right. Final films, uh, recipe sounds and Yelchin. Yeah. Um, also, quite interesting. Though I only found this out uh, this morning. Times recording here while I was watching a review. Um, actually, is from uh, Grace Rudolph, right? Um, who I've actually started watching her Beyond the Trailer reviews. Right? She was kind of sorry. Grace Randolph. Yes, that's her. That's her, right? I've actually the same. Almost the same level as I said about in my opinion. <laughs> uh, or uh, white. Look, I, I'm I'm glad because okay, right? So like, I, I'm glad that she is doing her thing because I would admit there's not that much female movie reviewers out there, but right. it's how what she's kick off her videos though. As this, like, even in this one, like for the one for this movie here, she does this. So <laughs> I literally had to watch that. I I just had that replay like about four or five times because it just sounded hilarious. That's so thing, right? Because she had this high-pitched voice there, but she kind of did it in this way, like, you know, the show was good, but... And the stuff that yeah. she brought up, I was like, wait, you really didn't like that? You really find that was a, 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 a I, funny show? You, you sure? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, well, she's like, come across like a bullshit, in my opinion. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but I, I have respect for I have respect for what she doing, but still, yeah. it's just this review, I was like, Really? Okay, but anyway, uh, but okay. what she did bring up is that the guy who wrote the script, right? This would be Mike Markowski, actually right. attended the same school <laughs> that the show is based in, which would be Roslyn okay, High but... School in Long Island. I was like, all right, right, right. but um, no, he was that part of the newspaper that, that was involved yeah. in what the show is about here, right? So. This is a HBO Films, actually. Uh, HBO right. Films film, I should say. And um, I was just hearing about it, just hearing praise about it, mainly off right. of the... By... Yeah, it was, it was in TIFF, actually. It premiered in TIFF. Um, okay, right, right. Eight, Sorry, okay. and yeah, it made oh. an official premiere on HBO uh, April the 25th, actually. But right, you know, the right. praise was just on Hugh Jackman and Alison Janney, right? Well, Janney, sorry. Um, yeah. I was like, all right, cool, well, okay, but, and you know, while I was watching the show, I was thinking to myself, well, before you jump in, um, you know, maybe this show has the potential of being nominated for an Oscar, um, yeah. but well, not a Golden Globe because Golden Globes, you know, came and went already, but um, and but for me though, I was thinking, well, with the Emmys coming up very soon, I have a strong feeling this is gonna get nominated for an Emmy. Okay. This thing, this thing yeah, definitely yeah, deserves yeah, a, a Emmy nom, no. If not a, right. a Oscar nom, but I would be so pleased if 
Yeah, because why why bringing this up? Because of the whole shifting of the you know this the whole paradigm as far as well you know theatrical releases now making it the, the way to view the cable. So are these right. shows still eligible for being nominated for Academy Awards? And well, I don't know if it's gonna be the case for this show here. I would be happy just just seeing that right off the bat if it gets a nomination. Um, but I'm not sure if it will with the timing of it, right? But I think with Emmys though, because like I say, Emmys coming up soon enough. Yeah, this this deserves an Emmy nom, man. Just mainly because of well, Hugh and Allison, right? But yeah. Before I get to all of that, though, uh, Ricardo, what is Bad Education about? Right. Uh, it's about uh, it's Roslyn High School in Long Island in Jersey. Yeah. And basically, it's this, well, schools, they have the incentive, again, another perverse incentive scenario, where they, they're driven to make, um, you know, the most amount of getting into this college and that college and with the fourth in the country to do so and so. I forget. So off the top of my head, I can't remember um, Hugh Jackman's character's name is Frank something. Right. Is 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 Francis? Well, Frank Tuss, um Frank Tassoon. Tassoon, right, right. And so he's he he's, he he was a I think it was a what I forget what type of teacher yeah, he was. He was a, a well, sorry, he, he was he was a he English? was a, yeah. he was an English teacher actually. Um, right. And now he's uh, the big superintendent. Right. Sorry, yeah, he's the, the big superintendent of the place. So right there, right there is the root of the problem, eh? Because one of the big things are the failures of, of education, especially in the American system, is administration, right? right? And one of the problems is that you have a bunch of people who are effectively teachers and trained to be teachers, not really trained to do admin work and business things. So at the time for them to like actually handle a lot of money, they kind of fuck that up. And right, then the right. sad part is that against people who specialize into doing administration, they only give a shit about the, the concerns of um, like teachers and what teachers want and these kind of things. So there's yeah. a kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't in most situations. Right. Um, um, just, just, a, just a cut to there for, for a bit, right? So I'm reading this up on Wikipedia. So Mike, actually, the, the, the writer of this, uh, was a middle school student, actually, at the time when um, Frank got into okay. hot water. That was, that was mentioned in this. Uh, um, because remember she said where the pizza oven went to? Ah, yes, yes, right. yes, you're right, you're right, you're right. Ah, right. okay, I, I see what you did there, Mike, I see what you did there. Anyway, go, go on. Yeah, there's a little pizza shots in it, like there's a lot of pizza in this, and, and fast food. Uh, right, so effectively, he is the man, he's the man with the plan to, to get people to school, understand children and, and remembering how children work. Um, there's one, I find probably the best part of the movie that really illustrated the, the moral hazard and you know, the moral failure of the whole situation where you could tell this man not supposed to be a fucking superintendent where he did teach the little boy how to say accelerate. Yes, right? I yes. love, love that scene though. And this, this, is, this, is that, that, this is that particular, sorry to cut you, but this is that particular moment, folks, where, you know, when you see an nomination um, nominated for this yeah. and, you know, yeah, yeah, right. Hugh Jackman, they're going to show right. that scene. It's that moment. Right, so basically what happens is that for whatever reason, again, they, they live in Jersey, um, you know, they, they just um, Alison Janney's character does well, you know, you find out why she, she had to get people to go private school and she had to get her daughter to go here and they want to live their life here so effectively she was embezzling money Yeah. and the way it, so it start off with that that's the story, start, the story start with that they realize that the situation is going a lot deeper than that and other people uh, in Cruel, including the main character is also possibly embezzling money and that's a big mystery finding out that 
And then, well, this is kind of a spoiler. I don't know how to spoil this. Um, well, the man has just basically having a secret life. And no one knew for years. Yeah. So you're not sure. And you're not, but they keep saying, some people keep saying, but well, it's an open secret, but you don't really know. And they play that out really, really well in terms of his characterization. And, yeah. and the thing is, how they, again, you know, this is one of those, as I say, the perpetrators are the victims. And because they themselves, not, you're not supposed to have this moral hazard. If they just design the system a little differently and then create these perverse incentives, you wouldn't be in this situation in the first place. And, you know, it's, it's all of these little small trade-offs over time. And, and what I like about the film, the film does something very clever, where he, he creates his own undoing in the beginning. I love that. Yeah. Right? When he tells the girl, don't just make it up a feast. Love it. Fuck up yourself with saying that. <laughs> right? Because that's exactly what led, led to his destruction. But I have no idea if that is actually the case. Like, if that is true. Like, that's possibly apocryphal for the sake of the story, maybe. But I thought it was really clever and poetic to have that, you know, be the situation there. Um... And yeah, I, I, he was a great, you could understand why it is that he like, he is the way he is. Um, you know, is this, this utilitarian argument of, well, we have a good thing going, don't, don't ruin it, don't rock the boat. Um, there's a lot of that, you know, mm. there's a lot of that all over. That's the one thing. And then you have everything interconnected. You notice one of the big things that they sell is the whole, the better places, the public, the better the public schools are. So it's not just the schools and the students, but it's all of this money getting pulled in. And all of these yeah. people jump into the situation because they talk about housing prices and rates and all of this interconnectivity that when you, when you pull one string now, the whole thing just fall apart. Yeah. Right? And that's what I like, that's what I liked about that is it just interfering with complex systems and making systems unnecessarily complicated for, you know, these short-sighted reasons. Now. And it's like, yeah, nobody's seeing because nobody wants to look. You know, that's the main problem. And <laughs> I thought that worked. It, it had this great moral paradigm aspect to it. You know, I love good moral stories, as in, you could see why people could get trapped in these moral failings, mm-hmm. because they have purpose incentives. Uh, another movie that did that, the last movie that did that really well for me was uh, uh, one of my favorite movies of last year, Uncut Gems, right? Yes, Very similar yes, situation, yes. where, mm-hmm. you, you know, slowly spiraling into lower and lower, and you know why. Like, they themselves have moral feelings. They should have seen it, and, but because of the nature of it, it, just, it, 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 it increased that over time. And I, I thought um, it did a good job with that. Um, and yeah, his character works a great character piece. Yeah, um, I I agree with you for the most. Uh, yeah, I totally agree with you. I should say, um, in terms of you know Hugh Jackman's character, I thought that um, that you know Frank Tassoon was just such a, a intriguing character for me, boy. Um, and it's just like with that with every single scene, but just the more you get to know this guy, the more you, the more the show just kind of strips away all these layers and you realize, oh, well, this is what you really are. This is what you was hiding. And then you kind of understand why he would do that, right? Um, one major aspect about it, which I don't want to spoil, uh, came off a little surprising at first, though. But is that when they dropped this this huge bombshell um, near the middle of the show, actually, where you realize, oh, well, all right, so, so the secret life apparently was something that this particular person didn't know about, right? That's all I'll say. Right. And how they how that that ended actually, I was just like, yeah. And not to spoil anything, though, there's one line that they dropped though that was just like the perfect full stop, the perfect punctuation to that whole reveal that oh my god, this guy had a secret life all the time. Well, how and it's based off of something that uh, a character brings up just out of the blue, right? 
and it's to the point that the well Hugh doesn't get around to really understanding why or okay what do you mean by this right but that same particular freeze comes back there at the end and I'm just like wow do you know what I mean just right there full stop that's all they need to do right, right. Uh, but yeah I enjoy the hell out of this though I wouldn't really call this a grind though but I would admit to that going in because I didn't watch any trailers I didn't want to know much about it going in right Sure. I was wondering at first, okay, all right, where's the conflict going to take place? Like, I'm watching everything, yeah. and like, all right, I, I, I like Hugh Jackman. I do, oh, sorry, I, I like Frank, right? I know I should like him, but something off about him, boy. But I'm sorry, but yeah. I just I just really like him, right? But then they were revealed certain things, like, okay, yeah, you're hiding this, all right. Uh, I can kind of understand. And then more things will sort of happen. I was yeah. just like, okay, what? And then all of a sudden, well... Alice, uh, well, Alison G, uh, Johnny, who plays uh, Pamela, right? Her predicament comes in though. You're thinking, okay, so it's about her and what happened. But then she, well, pretty much does something, just kind of let people know, well, just kind of see right off the bat, you are the only sociopath there. So, it's like, okay, this is directed, right, yeah, begin, right, directed yeah, yeah. At, at, at Frank. All right, cool. So, yeah. what happened to Frank? <laughs> That's when the show yeah. really started to pick up there. It's like, okay, this is where they go going at. Basically, it's like, oh, you take me down, Jenna, right? I gotta take you down, everybody else with you. And that's all it is. I don't know. Um, I don't, well, you get the sense. You knew that was coming in a sense, but not in the way right. you thought it was. Because it was like, oh, she just was kind of the normal FBI shit, right? She just, the cops scare her. Like she had to, yeah. like she, so you didn't get any sense, like you get any sense that she was loyal to Frank, kind of still. Because remember when she, um, she keep defending the, 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 the Skybridge thing he was building yeah. and all of that stuff. And so it, I didn't have the, the, like, the end sense that she would have totally, like, betray Frank or does this big revenge well, thing on her part. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're, you're right, you're right, you're right. Um, yeah, I kind of would it wrong, but, yeah, she didn't really right. do it to, to, to bring down um, Frank. Right. But, yeah, it, it's just kind of like the snowball effect that, like, oh, well, this thing happened, yeah. so here's a rebuttal, basically, right? Right. Um, speaking of the Sky Bridge or the Sky Walk, as they call it, right? Right. This, is yeah, this, yeah, this yeah. big project that they that they want to do, and uh, oh gosh, this girl, uh, Risha, right? So she, well, her name is Geraldine Viswan Viswanathan, right? If I got the name wrong, please forgive me. She was probably one of the standout characters in a comedy right. that I enjoy called Blockers, right? And I was like, oh yeah, she's the show. Okay, cool. All right, nice, right. nice, nice. Yeah, so um, she And that boy from Hereditary was in this, right? Yes, 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 yes. Um, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah Alex Wolf. And is what I noticed the most. Like, oh, yeah, that's him, right? So yeah, he yeah. is the, well, the owner, main editor, I should say, of the news magazine. And, well, sorry, the news, the newspaper, actually, for the for the school. And, uh, well, Rachel works for works for him basically right so yeah so she's just trying to figure out okay well y'all spending plan to spend all this money on this skywalk thing but you know classrooms need renovations you know what i mean there's there's holes in the ce- well sorry not holes in the ceiling uh water leaking from the ceilings the roof, and stuff yeah, like roof, that yeah. Yeah, for the roof sorry and it's like well you're, you're still going ahead with this so the more she investigates now the more digging she deeps now the more she digs deep sorry uh she realizes you know all these you know, shell companies and all that kind of stuff that may or may yeah. not be real and just a lot of money being spent where, you know, where the money's going and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I dug her character, actually. And the funny thing is that uh, Grace Rudolph, actually, you know, once again from me on the trailer, kind of didn't like her character at all because she just felt she was a little too nosy and it was like, 
oh well, yeah, you're just kind of doing yeah, this I, because. Okay. The, well, 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 what should say? Sorry, sorry. Well, just before we, uh, what should say basically that she, it, it almost felt like, according to Grace, like she was against them. You know what I mean? So she was just trying to find, right. trying to just dig deeper, find some yeah, kind of way to it? expose yeah, them. You're ruining, yeah, no, you're ruining this in my mention, Grace Randolph, because it's such a bullshit comment. Two things. One, he encouraged her. Right? Yes. Yes, yes, you're right. One. And then two, she had a reason for it l- later down. We're going to find out what her father got gr- his career ruined for. Right? That's right. That happened a little earlier. Yeah. Right? That happened a little earlier. And that happened around the 2000s. So when the dot com bubble crashed and the stock market shit went going down, you had all these yeah. stories like that. So that makes sense. So it's like, right? Was he complaining to exactly? Whatever. Again, I don't want to mention Grace Randolph. Who cares? Yeah. Uh, all right. So this will be the last time we'll talk about her, right? Once again, respect to her, but this is the last time. So, yeah, um, I, I dug her character as well. Um, and just the stuff that she finds out, because, yeah, basically, you know, we, we see things through her eyes pretty much. So, you know, we all these little yeah. stuff behind scenes that being swept underneath the rug, though, and that's how she fights. It was great. Um, Ray Romano was in this, too. And, like, for the instant, yeah, I, heard of, I heard his voice. I was like, yeah, Ray this nice, Ray. Because <laughs> last time we saw him was in, um, was in The Irishman. Yeah, he's had those side roles and he's good, man. He's a joy. Yeah, yeah Irishman. He was a good, yeah, yeah, and he was great at this too. There's, there's a there's a key moment between him and um and, and Frank too that, that I love though where well this yeah. is wrong the time when, you know, shit hits the fan basically. It's just like dog, well yeah. you know what I mean I, I looked up for you, man, and you know what I mean, all that kind of stuff, man. And that that was just a powerful moment. And the way how that, that shot ended basically, which is just basically this uh this yeah. wide shot of the, the bleachers at this football <laughs> field was excellent about yeah, 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 yeah. this is a this is a very, very well <laughs> shot for them. Yeah no they touch on this thing which is which is the the, the, the wealth gap of it of it yeah. all. And you could tell, you know, it had this whole you know, I, I always say the worst people in a system, every time you have a system, and the system of the me maintain a shitty system, the worst people, middle management. Right. And the reason why is that because they have the biggest incentive. If, if the system failed, they, and they have the most gain from it going up, it terms of, if it keep it going and making more money now, going forward. And... So when it, when shit is defined, they become the worst moral agents or by far. And the two of them were like that. Remember he said it was, he was living on a on a on a glorified teacher's salary, right? Yes, he was superintendent. Yes. But he was barely making more as a teacher. I remember they were talking about money in the beginning now. Him and, and JD now. And that interesting moral paradigm of when she got bust up, he bust she throat really close, right? And that's the sad part about that. They're not so low in the system that they they, they ain't go care. They're not janitors or no shit. If shit defined, it won't affect them either. And even though, well, with the last little, um, you know, little content, the little piece of information they give you at the end, I think he's still alright ultimately, but um, <laughs> still exploits and loopholes and these kind of bullshit things. And I find that was interesting to see how he, he mentioned that class divider. Oh, you know, I want to live as good as you. So and so. And, you know, he still make him out to look like the villain at the end, didn't he? He still get throat bust in the end, didn't he? And I thought that was interesting. Um, yeah. And he said, you know, you tell him, you tell him, you know, I hope you find peace and blah, blah, blah. I was like, damn. It's real brutal. That and then right. I laughed, and then it was pretty good. Yeah, yeah I, 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 I dug the, the, the end for this as, as well, actually. Um, which a, a, which a, a, a certain somebody didn't like, but I mean, 
I love I love sorry how it just reflected the beginning, which is just right. meaning like you know at, at, at first glance like hey, it's about the school and putting them number one, but in yeah. actuality it's like you want to put the school number one, but you also want to be number one. That's all you'll say, right? I think it just works too in terms of the character. Right, that's what I liked about it because on the one end he could tell he's not supposed to he, he really cared about other people. It's not I don't think he was a sociopath. Like I don't think so at all. In right. his case. Um neither neither the mother. The mother um we call Anson Genie's character. I don't yeah. think she either, but it's more or less the system created moral failings and here's why. And you will always be put in a position of a moral hazard. And it, 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 over time it is it is things be going good until it's not going good. And you don't exactly. know where you're doing it, the reason why you're doing it. And your car, you know, you mentioned that he said, Oh, I just put this one little thing on my card and our next thing on my card, you know, yeah. $20. <laughs> yeah, this, this is this, this $20, I believe it was. Yeah, yeah, it built up over time. And I, I thought that was, that, was, that was really excellent in terms of how they did that. And they built it up yeah. and they make it work. Um, yeah, they did. Yeah, I kind of put it in the same vein as something like a Nightcrawler. You know, you remember a little bit too. Um, you remember that movie about 20 years ago, Election? Yes, um, Alexander Payne. Um, I had that in yeah. my mind actually when I was watching this. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. that seems yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It feel yeah. like that. That's a small feeling because of a little, little pettiness and, you know, it catch you over time and you end up the show going on and eventually it's all bullshit reason you go down now and it catch you. <laughs> and yeah. So, yeah, yeah. By the way, great character piece to me. I, I get us a, a really high score. I get us like something like a, uh, you know, like an 8 out of 10. I, I'm not giving a lot of 8 today. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I um, a... actually actually no movie tones and like that today, but that's fine. Keep it keep keep it keep it with the we keep it with yeah, the projects now. So yeah. Anyway, so. All right, yeah, yeah, that that that's true. No no cinemas are open. <laughs> ah, right. Ah, yeah. you got it. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm up there with you though. I I give this uh uh. I was thinking about it, but you know, I was thinking about giving this a light four, but I was like, nah, boy, this gets strong four. Um, out of five for me, boy. Um, this yeah. is certainly one of the that I would. Yeah, I would say yeah. One one of the one of the most enjoyable shows I've seen for the year. And it's funny thing is, it's just off of such a not a dark topic, but something that yes happened, but something that you could kind of understand how it played out and why it played out the way it did. Right? I like the fact yeah. that the the show is smart enough not to paint uh, Hugh Jackman or Alison Janney's characters as you know monsters or you know what I mean right. morally reprehensible. Sorry. Yeah. Um. They, you know what I mean? They they normal people. You know I mean, it's just that. A, they're making money, and hey, well, you can make more money, but at the same time, it's like, look, I we have families, we have loved ones, I have my own little needs too, you know what I mean? So, yeah, you know what I mean? But it does not to say that what they did was um, was right, of course. I mean, what they did was terrible, right? But there's a there's a reasoning behind it too, right? I like how the show presents that. Um, I thought that the supporting cast was ex, um, you know, solid. Um, the direction was great. The music I should touch on quickly uh, from Michael Abels, who did the scores right. for both Get Out and Us, right? So that great, you know, string-assisted music, right? And at first I was t- telling us, I was wondering if it was just um, just classical music, just bits of, you know, classic music, uh, public domain classical music that they just used to to make moments seem grander. But then I realized, no, it's actually this guy doing this 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 score, this original score. I'll, I'll call it that, right? I thought it worked, right? I thought the way how it works in the story was great. Kind of painting these guys as yes, we're heroes and we're large in life. And I mean, not rock stars, but like, yeah, I mean, kids love us. You know, what I mean, people love us. 
But then deep down inside, you know what I mean? Well, sorry, well, when shit hits the fan once again, now is the flip side. Now, now people hate us, now people scorning us, and all that kind of stuff there, you know what I mean? Um, what else I want to say? Uh, yeah, Hugh Jackman gives one of the best performances I've ever seen from him. Um, I was just, yeah. you know, seeing a look. I mean, the man is a talented actor. You know, yeah, yeah. All, all throughout his career, like we we know we know we always like to zero in on him, like oh you're Logan, but no, he's he's done better stuff. Sorry, he's done yeah, he's yeah. done great roles over the years, right? And this is this is yeah. one up here. I can't say this is you know the best one, but yeah, this is certainly one. No, of no, best. I I can't, I thought it was I thought it was, it was one. I, it's actually one of my favorite roles now because it's, it's very subtle. Um, a lot of just some great emotional moments. Again, he's not a sociopath. I don't like that at all. How she she frame as that. And you know, you, well, it's not. I don't think she really meant it, but you know, you get you get it. They affect each other, blah blah blah. Yeah, um, it, it, it's that, it's that. Yeah, right. And then um, because it, like that that scene in the end when when he, when he was in the car, um, with the other fella, uh, great. Oh yeah, that, uh, that was a powerful moment. Powerful I was like, yeah, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, as much as as the show has this kind of dark sense of humor, it's like Torbert's. There's some really, really powerful, like dramatic moments in this yeah. show. Um, I just love how they blend that, right? So it's not funny, ha 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 ha, all the time. When you think about it, right. it is kind of hilarious. But at the same time, it never forgets that, yeah, it is a, it is a powerful drama. It is about characters yeah. that are in situations that they kind of put themselves into or at the same time shouldn't be in. And you just kind of feel for them, you know what I mean? Despite the situation right. that they Yeah. Um, also, Alison Genie, I thought that she was excellent in this too. Um, yeah. And once again, just going back to what I said before, I do see them, you know, getting um, Emmy nubs for this too, because I thought that they were, they were fantastic in this too. And I would love to, I would just kind of love, I would actually love to see them get Oscar nubs for this too. Cause I think this is a show that, yeah, kind of deserves, I would, I would say this is certainly an Oscar worthy show. Right here, man. I mean, this is one that right. I mean, if you just love solid acting, great storytelling, with a moral message, okay, yeah, this really does have a great message to it. I believe it or not. Yeah, this is an absolute yeah. must-see, man. So I do see this making it to my top ten list, or maybe as an honorable mention. But yeah, it's on HBO right oh, now. Definitely check this out. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, and just I mean, even if you kind of look at it like. Okay, I don't know, uh, you know what I mean? It's the American school system. I don't know. It's not that complicated of a show to understand. Exactly. But... It's not about that. Yeah, it's not really about that. It's about, again, moral hazards. <laughs> that that's up. right. That's right. That's right. And that's yeah. really what makes this show work. And that's, like, like obviously, I wasn't sure where the show was going, right? But then when it picks up, it's just like, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm in for the ride. Yeah, I, I was I was largely ignorant of this story I, completely. I didn't know what it was about. But what I thought it was going to be about is the idea that schools do prepare people for college. I know that's a big thing. You know, you're just, you're just helping people pass a test and they kind of flunk out of college because they, they, when they introduced the guy in the beginning, the Kyle fellow. Um, yeah. and Which, by the way, by the way, sorry to interrupt you, by the way, I saw the name and I was like, the name Watchman, the name Watchman. It's Raphael Kazaldred from... Blind spotting, one of my top ten favorite right, movies. Right, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Him, he's yeah, in this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. yeah. Right. Wow. yeah. 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 But it's when they, when they, um, when they, you know, they, I thought it was about that. Like how, oh, is is your failing students and they just they're doing good in high school, but they don't really go on. I was oh, like, no, it's not. I, about I, that I, I, did, I did see that subplot coming, uh, but 
when it happened, right. I was like, oh, this is kind of interesting, though. Like, okay, okay. Right. But for the character, though, I was like, yeah, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, that's a big wrinkle. Anyway, uh, you know, yeah, 8 out of 10, pretty good. Loved it. Yeah, 4 out of 5, really good. Loved it. Definitely a must-see, right. guys. Definitely check it out. And last but not least, uh, let me just talk about Beastie Boys story, right? Um, this is a documentary film. Um, it was written, produced, and directed by, well, a good friend of the Beastie Boys, actually, uh, Spike Jones. Because, yeah, right. Spike Jones have had, you know, he has had, you know, in quite a fascinating history with the Beastie Boys, actually. You know what I mean? Actually making some of their 90s music videos and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, well, well, just to jump in into the Beastie Boys, right? Um, now, for me, I wouldn't say I'm the biggest, biggest, biggest fan of the group, right? But I do love their music. I do love their their approach to the music, to, to their music, right? Which is mainly like this mixture. Okay, well, I'll, I'll just kind of explain, right? So with their debut album, License to Ill, it kind of got this frat boy, you know, party animal kind of aspect from the group, right? right. Uh, group, of course, consisting of uh, three members. That would be um, Michael Diamond, a.k.a. Mike D, Adam Horowitz, a.k.a. Ad-Rock, or King Ad-Rock, and, of course, well, you know, the lead great Adam Yock, a.k.a. Yauch, sorry, right. a.k.a. MCA. Well, the lead great MCA, yeah, he passed away in the early 2010s to cancer, right? And the show pretty much is a dedication to them, right? So, um, yeah, about the group, right? So, yeah, I heard License to Ill, not when it came out, it came out way back in, like, 86, right? But I heard it, like, yeah. long after the fact, because, you know, songs like, Fight for your right to party were, you know, popular. They were just part of pop culture, right? Um, so, you know, I heard it and I I pretty much enjoyed it. I mean, it was just silly, frat whiting. But, you know, in my head, I was like, you know, we, this this is clearly for white guys, right? And, well, the show kind of, well, one big reveal that I didn't even know about. They were kind of mocking frat boys, though, with that, with that right. song and yeah. that album. I was like, wow, okay. So they were really about that life, right? Yeah, they, they were, for me, I would say, not as extreme, but they were like a kind of proto, like what Lonely Island is now. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're yeah. right. Um, pretty much proven that, yeah, white white, white males can actually rap. You know what I mean? It's just a black thing, right? And, you know, with the with with the uh, with the 80s, and, you know, with guys like Curtis Blue, um, yeah. and, you know, the Fat Boys, and Run DMC, of course, who was signed on to Def Jam Records, who initially, basically, uh, PC Boys was signed on to, and, you know, well, in the documentary, you go as far as saying that, well, you know, Russell Simmons actually signed them on and actually kind of made them into who they were. He wanted them to be this chart-selling white rap group, right? You know what I mean? The the white B-boys who became, like, the, the ultimate rap group, right? So that's essentially who they were, right? Even though right. their um, early history was just, you know, with punk music, right? Yeah, they were a punk rock band, actually, right? But anyway, so, yeah, dug the album for what it was... But it's really the later albums. Well, I would say the four albums out there, four subsequent albums, that's when I really got into their style and their aesthetic. And I was like, yeah, this is, they, they are clearly one of the best groups ever, regardless of music, right? And the reason being is because they weren't afraid to change. They weren't afraid to adapt. Sorry, not, not so much adapt their songs, but experiment, try new things out. You know what I mean? Kind of take what it is they've they've listened to with records, stuff that they've 
um, musical genres that they've been attracted to and blend that into their music, right? So with Paul's Boutique, which was the second album, which he did with Capitol Records, um, which was a flop, unfortunately. But this to me is one of, like, probably one of my all-time favorite rap albums, mainly because of how sample-heavy it is, yeah. This is right. an album which is heavily reliant on sampling, right? But how they did the sampling in this was just quite revolutionary, um, actually, as far as music goes, right? And, uh, well, quite interesting enough, the, the guys who produced it were the Dust Brothers, right? Who we would know as the guys who did the music, the excellent music for Fight Club, right? Back in 99. Um, so in, like, the early 90s, well, sorry, in the 90s now, they had um, just just opportunities for them because they were still signed on to Capitol Records, right? Even though um, Paul's Boutique didn't sell they were still signed on to Capitol Records. It was this multi-record deal, right? So they had Check Your Head in 992. They had Ill Communication, which, of course, has, like, one of their greatest songs ever, Sabotage, like, every time you hear that song, even though in your case, um, like, with the, the uh, <laughs> with J.J. Abrams' um, Star Trek trilogy, well, the first and the last one use that song a lot. I, I love those moments in the movies, by the way. I don't know about you. You probably find them to be annoying, but I don't know. Every time Sabotage played in those movies, I was just like, wow! You know, we just lose my shit, right? Um, Get Together, which had my boy Q-Tip in it, was great. Um, Short Shut, you know what I mean? Stuff like that was great, right? Right. Um, Check Your Head was pretty decent as well, too, right? Um, had, like, Passing Mike. It had So What You Want. But in this case, it had a lot of, like, rock inflections in it, too, right? And remember, this was in the... Hades of like 90s grunge rock and all that kind of stuff right so they had a nice they had a nice little fit in there right so you know what i mean the the the, the rock heads gravitated to the hip-hop heads were like all right cool i dig in this straight and you know nirvana was big all right cool so these guys doing that thing but it was leagues beyond what they did back with um license ill right and then we had, well, one of my personal favorite albums from them, which was Hello Nasty, right? And this was where they just went wild with their music. They had tracks like Intergalactic, which is one of my all-time favorite rap songs every time I hear that song. And then I just remember these well, videos well, and how wild well, and crazy it well, is. I just well, love it. Sorry? Sabotage was the album, right? No, Sabotage was an ill communication. That was back in 94. This one came out okay. in 98, uh, Hello Nasty, right? So you had Intergalactic, you had Body Moving, and just those two songs right, yeah. together. What, what I loved about those, I love those songs so much, right? Is how even in 98, they incorporated the 80s, golden age, b-boy um, aspect to their style and sound. So yeah, when you hear right. Intergalactic, when you hear Body Moving, you could just imagine just B-Boys like just wilding out, just doing the moveset, man. Just because of how, uh, well, as in the case of Intergalactic, how futuristic it was. I mean, it, it just fit. But Body Moving, I never forget had had a had a steel pan sample in this. It had a steel pan sample. Um, I forgot the song that was playing. I think it's, um, I think it's. Uh, Oye Komova from Santana, right? So it was this right. steel pan cover fit. But how they worked it into that song, every time I was here, that's just like just losing my mind, right? But along with that, you know, they also incorporated reggae, you know what I mean? And just different styles into their music, right? And that's something that I just always loved about the band, right? Of course, they had like um, in the 2000s, they had stuff like um to the five boroughs which i remember had um well the the big single i remember this being on b on on rap city being um 
sorry, on Rhapsody, which was um, Chit Check It Out. That would be Chit 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 Check It Out, right? And this also, but this loving, loving everything about that song. And then also because they didn't compromise on their on their um, on their golden age hip hop roots, right? So it did right. sound like yeah, this was like a like an eighties rap song, but just with two thousands production. I just love the hell out of that song, right? Um, and then well, with the final album, Hot Sauce Committee Part Two, was just like you know, what I mean we. We are still old school icons, right? But we we, we basically doing the stuff that we love, right? We just doing this this golden age hip hop tribute, right? But it's just in the two thousands, right? Um, they even had um this great track, too many rappers, which featured our boy Nasness, right? Great yeah. um throwback tribute track um on that joint, right? And yeah, I mean, from there, just over the years, I just grew to love that band, man. I mean, and but just mainly, I just want you to just. Share your thoughts on you know on the band itself before I get to the documentary, just how they were able to evolve, right? Just how they were able to try new things, whether it's with genres or with production or with songwriting and whatnot, and just always change over the years, right? And even in their personal lives, they change and stuff like that. They were far from the frat boys that you would assume they were back in the early eighties. They grew up to be you know just to be great musicians, just great musicians, period, right? But, you know, it was just that idea of changing, not being tied down to one stereotype or one identity, always changing, always learning, always growing, right? And then but whilst staying true to your sound, staying true to what got you into this in the first place, that would be, yeah, golden, golden age hip-hop, right? And that, to me, is really why I, you know, appreciate that band so much. Say, Ricardo, anything you just want to win on the, the BC Boys, just the music as a whole? Anything you want to win? No, yeah, it's, it's, it's not. I only go through the, the popular stuff that they had. I was not too familiar with the, the uh, with, with discography, per se. Just, yeah, Sabotage Intergalactic, Five Fairy Writer Party. That's all I know. <laughs> Sorry to say. All right, all right. Uh, but but I, would, I would strongly recommend that you do check out check out their music. Yeah, the music. Yeah, the great, man. I'm actually familiar with it, but, you know, yeah. Yeah, well, well, I understand. I understand what I mean, but yeah, I do recommend if if you if you get around to it, just just check out this stuff, right? Which leads me now to Beastie Boys' story, right? Which I said is a documentary which was written by, uh, sorry, written, produced, and directed by their good friend Spike Jones, who has you know f- yeah. um, filmed some of the videos like Intergalactic and Sabotage. Yeah. You know, what I mean, those are the two main videos that um, he was you know well known for actually. You know, before right. he broke out into Hollywood, right? Um, yeah, going into this, I just knew that it was about the BC Boys, it was from Spike Jones, and it was on Apple TV. That's all I knew, right? What I didn't know, however, was that, um, it's pretty much a stage show, actually. Well, just not a stage show, actually, but more like a, a live, like a stand up performance, basically. I would say a, a stand up show, right. I should say, right? So it's very much. Just like what we've seen on Netflix with D. Chappelle and Aziz and Dari, right? Uh, right, both, right, right? Both Mike D. and um, and Ad Rock on stage. You know what I mean? Um, a huge crowd of Beastie Boys fans and supporters there. And it is pretty much say, talking about their life story, right? And Spike Jones, you do hear him in the background. He's a guy pretty much just showing these slides and whatnot. Um, there's there's like a little glitch here or there, like um, typical technical stuff, right? But I like how they kind of 
added into this one because this actually was the the last show right you know usually with these stand-up shows you always have like you know um two three days of performances and you'll just kind of pick the best one usually it's the last show and you will stick with that right um ever so often they might cut back to oh this was how the performance was back then right they do that near the end but i'll talk about the end in a bit right so yeah right off the bat it's like okay this is what it is because at first i was telling myself all right it's gonna be archival footage and the band talking but they're not talking to an audience they're talking to the viewers now like thought it was gonna right. be like wu-tang clan of mics and men where the guys are well in the case with the wu-tang they were in a cinema and we're just watching the archival footage and just talking about stuff and then you have your um talking heads and stuff like that. i thought it was gonna be like that but just mainly well yeah this this footage of this stand-up thing that they did right so that was that was kind of interesting right um, but yeah, with the BC Boys, well, with the two um, surviving members, they talk about their early days as a punk band, how they got the name BC Boys in the first place is kind of funny, but I don't want to spoil it. Um, the fact that there was another band member, this would be, um, I forgot the girl's name, I think it's Kate or Kate or something like that. And um, she used to play drums now, but you know, like I said, this was the only time where they were focused solely on punk rock, right? Which was yeah. big. You know, during that, that well, the late 70s to early 80s, that period, right? But because they were exposed to hip-hop in the mid-80s, right? And because they were just such fans of Run DMC, like, they used to, like, worship their music, right? So when they when they, Run DMC came with Sucker MCs, still one of the greatest rap songs ever written, right? They were just like, yo, this is what <laughs> we, we want to incorporate rap now into what it is we're doing, right? And how they got into rap is pretty... Pretty intriguing, actually, how they did that, right? But I don't want to spoil that neither. But they talk about how, well, a close friend of theirs to be Rick Rubin, right? Iconic yeah. producer, you know, um, co-founder of Def Jam Records, right? And he pretty much was the one who got PC Boys into the door, into the door, sorry, of um, of Russell Simmons' office, right? And once he saw them, he's like, "Yo, I could." He just saw the potential, like. White, white B-Boys rapping. Okay, cool. This is what I'm going to make you guys at, right? And he pretty much shaped them into the BC Boys that we were introduced to, right? With the album License to Ill, right? But it's just ironic. And this is like me learning this for the first time. Is that the whole frat boy stuff that they were, um, that they presented themselves as was just them kind of poking fun. It was just kind of poking fun. It was a parody, right? So Fight for Your Right to Party was literally a parody of... You know that that frat boy lifestyle, right? But yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, you, like the first time I heard the album, I was just like, okay, well, clearly they're that type, right? Because that essentially is who the album is aimed at. This for guy is for white boys who just want to party and get drunk and do craziness, right? That's who it's for. But I didn't know that it was just a facade. They were just doing this for for kicks, basically, right? Um, there's even one great scene actually. It's a small scene, right? Where um, I think it's Mike D or I think it's either I think it's Mike D talks about well a song that was on that album called girls right and he was just pretty much talking well talking about the last lines of it which is like girls you know clean um wash my wash my clothes and you know do all these menial chores for me right now on the album it sounds goofy and silly right it's a silly song right but in this case here with the movie he's kind of saying well you know at that time we were young we were dumb we didn't know that you know, it's it's it was, it's kind of sexist. You know I mean, that's the way how we talking about women, right? It's kind of demeaning. So him kind of reading out those lines and just kind of with regret, like yeah, like you really shouldn't have said that. You know what I mean? 
that was that was just such a powerful moment in in that show there like that self-awareness now um but yeah from there and this is coming from somebody who didn't really know anything about their um like just the life behind the albums right so things didn't play out well with um def jam because they just got burnt out right you know what i mean just living that party lifestyle it was too much for them so they left def jam um they wanted to stray away from that frat boy aspect and then they they met up with the dust brothers and they did paul's boutique which was mainly just experimentation and sampling mainly on sampling right and the, the album was a flop and all that kind of stuff but they still wanted to develop themselves and all that kind of stuff and then with check your check your head that's when they brought back the rock aspect into it right and then from there the albums you know the albums and the fan base just expanded right and well you know now more people embrace them in the 90s more than in the in the late 80s basically right um especially with just the nature of rock back in the 90s right they mentioned Lollapalooza and all that kind of stuff they performed there as well so it's like yeah they were just that perfect fit right by the same time with hip-hop it was just like yeah they are they are they are still icons of of that music so they could experiment all they want but they never let they never lost sight of where they came from right i love that aspect about it so yeah, the show basically just kind of has the two of them just going into detail about the ups and downs in the music game. Uh, of course, they touch on MC's life and, you know, just how he influenced the band. You know, he was just the one who kind of pushed them to do things, you know, to try things out, right? And I love that about the, the show. But um, if I have a few gripes, though, it's just that for one thing, I thought that they would have covered the entirety of the musical career could it just kind of stop at Hello Nasty and just left it there? Like, you know, to the five borrows and hot sauce committee part two didn't exist. That's the albums they put out in the 2000s, by the way. This kind of stopped at Hello Nasty back in 98, and it's like 20 more minutes again in the show because the show runs for like two hours, right? And the rest of it is just this memorial, you know, this tribute basically to MC, right? Which was a really sweet and genuine moment, right? There's moments where both. Um, I think, well, it's either Mike Dio or um, Ad Rock were tearing up, right? And this is them reading off of this um, teleprompter. And you know, one moment was like, yo, I can't finish this. Just finish this up for me, please. And they were reading off from it. Now. Um, you can really tell how the death affected them. Because, like I said, he was just a driving force into, you know, just BC Boys themselves. You know what I mean? Just them doing what they were doing. Them becoming a, a punk rock band to begin with. You know what I mean? He was just a driving force into their creativity, their style, the sound, everything, right? And, like, I didn't even know that, you know, he had this uh, fund or foundation with uh, Tibetan monks. He was just f- f- uh, fascinated by, you know, the, the non-violence, um, just how they were, you know, anti-violence, basically, you know what I mean? And like that. He even had, like, a, a, a sorry, um, a charity music festival, um, you know what I mean? In uh, for for the Tibetan monks actually. Like I didn't know that he was doing these things behind the scenes, right? Um he was also a filmmaker as well. Like I, I kinda forgot about that, you know what I mean? But he was but you know, at the same time he was still a member of Beastie Boys, right? Um so I just love the fact that you saw how you saw the maturity the, the maturity, sorry, of the band, right? You saw how they grew over the time, right? Not just in age, but you know, just in mindset, you know what I mean? Just in the things that they learn and things that they do and things that they believe in, right? I love that aspect about it. 
but yeah, I really do. Yeah. I really felt like they kind of spend a lot of time on the early days, right? And yes, while it does make for great storytelling, because like in my case, I never knew these things. Like, yeah, cool. I want to know like what went on there and when you went to to Japan and went to England. Those things. Those I, I like the come up story. Like I like stories like that, right? But it, admittedly, there is a lot of time spent on the early days, right? But it does help um, story wise in terms of showing their growth over time, right? But I just really thought that they were going to cover the 2000s period of their, of their career. This kind of focus on the 80s and 90s, and that's pretty much it, right? Also, uh, a source of complaints with the pacing. And, well, that just kind of goes back to what I just mentioned there before with how much time was spent on whatever peri- um, period or decade, right? And, yes, it's understandable. I, I get it. But, look, this is the story they want to tell. And, you know, it's it's a it's a pretty solid story overall, right? Uh, story is something that I could look at and be inspired by, you know what I mean? Like someone who doesn't want to be just put into a box. I mean, I always want to learn things and do things as well and grow over time, right? And just hearing how they did it too is kind of like inspirational to me too. Though. So I, I, I got that. Um, I would say, though, just off the off of the approach alone, uh, which threw me off at first, right? Like, people go in and expecting your average music doc. Um, this is not that type of, of, of show. It's, it's actually quite different, though. I like how, in true Spike Jones format, it's simple, you know what I mean? And, yeah, I just imagine people would have gone in expecting one thing and seen something else, which is... Very Spike Jones in my opinion, right? But I just love that it's just these two guys on a stage, just reminiscing, just talking about the early days, and you know, just the 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 stories behind the songs that you know and love, and things like that. Now, and just touching on the music as well, to, uh, touching on the music, I love the fact that you know they got into hey, this is what inspired us to do "Fight for Your Right." Just knowing that we were they were poking fun at you know frat boys. That was that was funny actually. Um, how they came up with sabotage which is just it just came off of mc just playing this bass line on his guitar um of course they talk about you know when they shot the music videos for sabotage for fight for your right for um intergalactic and stuff like that i love the music video for intergalactic by the way just that um kaiju inspired video is just so awesome right um and last thing that's what i say before i get to written um you do have uh blooper reel at the end though where essentially you're seeing moments from the previous performances or stand-up performances actually um and that was pretty interesting you saw some some really rare archival footage of like you know behind the scenes of where they were shooting uh, videos or promos actually for tours and whatnot back in the 80s um spots on mtv where they were in this particular show you mean know, so for music purists like me or for BC Boys Pierce, this was great to see, right? And imagine um, some people probably saw this stuff already because uh, um, although I've never seen it before, I think I did, but I can't remember if I did, there was this um, Criterion Collection release of like the music videos now. Um, I still have yet to watch it though, right? But it's just all the videos that they shot from the 80s, I think it's from to 2000 or something like that, right? But imagine like the archival stuff was like, you know, stuff that he was already in the Blu-ray or DVD, whatever it is, right? So people probably saw it already, but I never saw it before. It's like, hey, cool, I get to see this stuff. That's awesome, right? But yeah, other than that, though, it is what it is. It just tells a story like it's in the title. It's the Beastie Boys story. That's what it is, right? So if you go in expecting more than that, then you'll be 
kind of disappointed by this, right? The approach to it is very simple, but I like that. It's very unconventional, which is so Spike Jones, as I say. And you do hear him in the back kind of messing things up, both intentionally and unintentionally. So that was cool. Um, just hearing from Mike D and, you know, um, Ad Rock, just telling the story was was great as well. It just kind of brought it into their zone, into their world as well. I, I dug that. Um, yes, I would admit, peace and wise, they do spend a lot of time on their come up on the early days. That's I, I, I totally understand that, but you know, it's kind of unavoidable. But I do like that it ties back to where they are right now or how they were in the eight, uh, sorry, in the nineties up until you know MC's death, right? And then well just in closing, um the tribute that they did to, to MC was was quite, you know, touching as well. You know what I mean? Just really great how they pay tribute to him as well. And you know what I mean? Like like the band literally split at the moment when he died. Like they just stopped touring, stopped performing, stopped making music right when he died. You know what I mean? So you know what I mean that just shows that just goes to show how much of an impact he made on the group and left on the group, right? So, I mean, not much more I could say about this show here, rating-wise. I'm going to give this a, a lighter, decent 4 to 5. Is that the best right. documentary you've seen? Not the best music doc I've ever seen. But as someone who never really knew the behind-the-scenes, behind-the-group, it was it was great for me to just hear it from the guys, just directly hear the stories and whatnot. Um, just them reflecting on the good days, the bad days, and just learning lessons along the way, right? And that should just be an inspiration to anybody, regardless of whether you're doing music or writing or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Not staying in one box. Just keep learning, keep doing, keep living, keep doing new things, and you know what I mean? Just growing, you know what I mean? And letting your art grow with with your with your personal growth as well. And that to me is what I love about Beastie Boys as a whole. And what I'm going to take from this movie and what I'm going to take from the band as a whole. Just that idea of changing and just always evolving. And just, not just evolving to be, you know, assholes, but just evolving to be better people, better musicians. And just contribute to, you know, to life, to society and all that good stuff, right? So, yeah, if you're a music fan, because yes, let's be real, BC Boys impacted music, period. Not just hip-hop, but just music as a whole, right? If you're a music fan... You definitely need to check this out, but just know going in that this is not going to be your average music doc. They're going to get to talking heads and all that average stuff. It's just these two guys talking, and you know they have fun with it as well too. And that's really what it is, right? Um, also, if you're a Beastie Boys fan, well, yeah, this is an absolute must see. If you never really knew anything about the band, I really recommend checking out their music. Um, even though it would hurt going and watching the show because you'll hear a song like, oh yeah, I know that song, but then hopefully it should make you go and listen to the albums themselves. Like, Alright, cool, right. But yeah, um, overall this is for the music heads out there. Uh, if you're just curious to see what the show's about, yeah, give it a look. But um, if you're not into the Beastie Boys at all, uh, I mean... I could imagine why, I mean, whatever. But still, if if you're not a fan of them, then I don't think this is going to do anything for you. But yeah, I mean, for everybody else, yeah, give this a watch, man. It won't hurt. Give this a watch. Nice. All right, so with all that being said, Ricardo, where can we find you online? I'm Passat, R-M-E-D-Y on Twitter, and then Ricardo Medina on Facebook. You can find me there. All right, on Twitter, you can find me at BearBeatBailey. On Instagram, BearBeatsBailey. On Facebook, just look for the match media law with illegally black blog official file base. Which, by the way, I keep forgetting this. I actually revived my original WordPress blog, which is called Illegally Black Blog. By, uh, by the way, so it's back online. I've been posting 
album reviews and stuff like that, I need to to start posting the you know the clips that I put up on YouTube from this podcast. I really need to do that. So that's just on my to do list. But other than that, you could check me out on Facebook, um, and you will find links to this podcast here, as well as the ones that we've done over the past five years or I should say five seasons, including retrospect reviews and uh, stuff to look forward to. Um, not really much this month though, but uh, we should be getting uh, the Eddie, which is the Netflix limited series, which is, I believe, produced or directed by uh, my boy Damien Chazelle. That's coming up. Um, the final season of She-Ra and the Princesses of Power. That's coming up. I've started watching She-Ra. I'm enjoying the hell out of it thus far. Um, so I have to make sure to just run through all four seasons before we jump into this last one here. Uh, Capone. I've been hearing about this new Tom Hardy flick called Capone that's coming out online. I believe it's on the 20th, so hopefully when it comes when it comes around, we should check that out. Uh, something we haven't mentioned here, um, Stargirl. This is a, well, the new, you know, DC CW series is coming out. Um, I believe right. it's coming out there's on a, the... A, yeah, there's a role of the, 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 the new Earth 2. Yes, 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 exactly. Um, I, I haven't watched a trailer for this as yet. I, I, I really think I should. I did that for stuff like Black Lightning and Bat, Batwoman and uh, Supergirl. Like I checked out the trailers for those. Um, but I would, I just wanted to go in as blind as possible. But we're getting a, a series premiere um, this month, man. So, um, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll check it out. I'll check it out for sure. And uh, last but not least, um, even though, well, hopefully when the season wraps up, we could do a full review of it. Uh, Rick and Morty, starting back tonight. The time is recording. Right, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so glad to see, well, glad to see it's back. I dug the hell out of the first five episodes, especially there's one uh, in particular about heists. That is what probably the, the best anything about heists I've ever seen, period, in my opinion. But um, we get the last five episodes of this, uh, this third season or fourth season. I can't remember. I think it's fourth season. Yeah, of this fourth season here. Um, so yeah, just hoping for nothing but the best for this season here. I hope they don't fall off track. They hope they stay focused with the storytelling and just the hijinks and absurdity and all that stuff. And yeah, that's pretty much about it. So what's okay, guys? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night. Whenever you listen, this, this was Matthew Bailey and Ricardo Medino. And we're signing off from another episode of BS Beats and Bailey. So until the next one, take care, stay safe, peace.